Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Hey guys, brand new podcast, uh, and this might be one of my better ones I've done. I know that some people can tell when I, like right away when I have a good one. It's Moshe Kasher. Uh, it's a great one. They had such a great special on Netflix. It's called The Honeymoon Special. It's a three-part sp- special. It's Natasha first, Moshe second, and then they go up and do crowd work together with other couples. Kind of like, uh, I haven't seen the third part. I've just watched both their stand-ups. I was on a plane, and I downloaded the first two parts mm-hmm. i didn't download the third part that's but really it's fantastic. cool though i gotta be honest with you um natasha destroyed i mean like really destroyed moshe yeah. destroyed too but i've always known moshe to kill like that natasha kind of changed up her style a tad bit in my opinion yeah and went very personal and talked about her life and i love when comics do that like that really connects with me it's what i like most in comedy don't get me wrong i love when bill burr talks issues but in when bill burr tells a story about having a daughter that's when i get invested as an audience member right. and natasha did that and i did not see that coming so it caught me off guard by the way i shouldn't have said anything it's like it should have let it caught you guys off guard but um it is really a fantastic special it's on netflix you can go check it out now it just came out last thursday or last friday i think and uh and i loved it I absolutely loved it. And I know you guys are going to love it too. Awesome. Uh, they're doing a, a, a honeymoon tour. I think they're still on tour. So check them out. Uh, just type in Moshe Kasher. It's a great interview. Is Natasha it? couldn't make it, but man, it was. And the last time we did an interview, it was amazing too, because Natasha is so fucking funny. Without ever trying to be funny, she's even funnier. That's cool. What was that noise? Nice shoe. Um, Leanne and I wrote a script today. We did. Yesterday and today. Yep. Two days. Two days. Leanne, this is what a beast of a wife I have. She, we took a meeting. They said, we think we'll have interest in someone wanting to do a script. And they said, you know, we want to pair you up with a writer. And I said, I want to do my own thing. I want to, I want to, I want to create my own project. And they're like, okay. And Leanne was like, you know what? You've said this a lot. And sometimes you didn't create it. We already have a script over somewhere else that we're going to, we know we're working on doing. Leanne booked a hotel room for two nights, went in and banged it out. Worked through the story with me, made me sit down and write. God, I love you. God, I love, I love you. you too. It was awesome. And we, we kind of beat out the story, beat out the jokes. And uh, Leanne, it's she, done. it was awesome. It was really awesome. It's done. It's done. It's done and sent off to the manager. Done. Done done son very proud of you babe um if you're any of my friends in hollywood and you want to read it like dan adler i'll send it to you you can give me your notes i just, I just want i just want like friends that i well, you don't know, invite anybody well anyone like any of my friends that are listening right now they're like well if anyone in hollywood's still listening to the ads i'm fu- they can fucking read my oh, script. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah um i got tour dates i'm in nashville uh may 3rd 4th and 5th i'm in huntsville alabama on the 6th maybe i said that wrong maybe that weekend. No, that's right. Yeah? Yeah. On the 6th. That's Sunday. I'm in Huntsville, Alabama. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Nashville. The following weekend, the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Uh, 10th, 11th, 12th, Tempe. Yeah. 
Yeah. 10th, 11th, yeah. 12th is Tempe. Yeah, don't ever interrupt me again, Halston. Uh, the 10th, 11th, and 12th, I'm in Tempe. And then I'm taking a little time off. Not much. And then I'm in Liberty Township. I'm in other places. You're all over. And you got a lot of daddy stuff going on. So Yeah, you got a lot, lot of daddy stuff going on. A lot of plays, on. a lot of choir performances, a lot of graduations, a lot of school dances, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Um, a cruise. Podcast with Kevin Brennan is coming out next week. I uh, just simply wanted to meet with Netflix and make sure my deal was in place before I released the Kevin Brennan podcast. Why? <laughs> Maybe you still don't want to release it. You he, have another meeting coming up with that in a week. lame throws bridges. Really? Yes. He does, but you don't. I don't, but I'm, I basically giggle throughout him just... Because you're it's uncomfortable? Just so, no, it's just so bizarre to hear someone just really just just shit on everyone it just really it's so not this business it's i'll give i guarantee you i will give a preamble well it is this business just nobody does it out loud that's what i mean yeah is that everybody does it everyone does it and no one does it out loud yeah and not everyone does it about who he's doing it to in my opinion right i will definitely give a preamble before that podcast starts um some disclaimers hardcore give some disclaimers like number one i love neil brennan how funny (laughs) he shits on his brother Pretty aggressively. Who's his brother? Neil Brennan. You've never met Neil. He created the Chappelle Show, stand-up comic. But who's the, his brother? N- Neil Brennan. Neil Brennan is Neil Brennan's brother. No, Neil Brennan is Kevin Brennan's brother. Oh, who's on the podcast? Kevin Brennan. Who's on third? Jesus Christ! Is someone on first? I'm uh, so confused. Anyway, anyway, uh, it's it's a it's an interesting podcast to say the least. But that's next time. Talk that's, about this time. I did. Moshe I and Natasha. Okay. Um, they're a great couple. Awesome. Moshe's on the podcast. Natasha's not, but they're a really great couple. And and, and what makes them a great couple? They complement each other. Oh, that's cool. It would be cool if there was like a site that used science to help figure out who would be a perfect couple for you. You know that is that would be really cool if there were a, a, only if there were a website that used science to uh, find someone for you. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony. If you've tried dating online, chances are you've run into it. Come on. The lazy text messages, the dead-end conversations, random matches that don't turn into dates. But you have you seen the success stories from eHarmony? Real people finding real matches. I say this, you know, I grew up in the non-technology dating life. Right. And when we did Trip Flip, I swear to you, all my children, every couple we worked with, met on eHarmony. I know. I had a lot of people who rented apartment buildings, got their first apartments together. They met on eHarmony. Yeah, it was, it was, it's amazing. You didn't see couples per se that met on the other dating sites, but it was eHarmony it where was, couples yeah. met. It was always eHarmony. They legit, uh, I mean, everything they do. eHarmony takes steps that other say, that dating sites don't in order to find you a compatible match. It, the site is built to help you find a lasting, a meaningful relationship, not some shallow hookup. It is a site intended to find your future partner. Do you, Look, th- do you think you would have found somebody on that site that would have written a script with you this week? Probably. I wonder if they would have got me someone better. Shut up. Considering I had to do it old school, frontier There is style. no person on this planet that could deal with you other than me. eHarmony helps bring compatible people together. There are plenty of hooks, hookup sites. That's not what this is. This is the most trusted dating site or app based at, on a 2018 survey of 1,616 U.S. singles. Based on a 2018 survey 
of 1,600 U.S. singles. Right now, my listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. Enter code BERT at checkout. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love, and dude, I'm telling you right now, love is what you want. When you're ready to fall in love with someone having a meaningful relationship, if you want what me, Natasha, Moshe, Push, Tom, Leanne have, this is where you go. It is the one app that is built to bring you real love. eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter my code BERT, B-E-R-T, at checkout. They got all these couples that met. By the way, they're all in cold weather. Would you sign up for eHarmony if something happened to me? Oh. Hundred percent. Yeah, same, same. A hundred percent. I'm not same. looking for a one night hookup. I can get that on the road a lot. Oh, I'm so. I sure. wouldn't go for one of those one night hookup places. I'm looking for someone that can. I need. I you realize how uncomplicated my match would be. How uncomplicated? How, how complicated? I need you to be oh. good at uh, fulfilling subscri- uh, prescriptions to medications. Can you help <laughs> me write a script? Can you book my car services? Can you be highly creative and also highly organized? Can you have sex with me within the first six hours of me touching down on Sunday so that I feel grounded for the week? <laughs> Can you regard whether or not disregard whether or not I'm sick and you will catch the flu as well? But allow me to not touch you when you are sick. Yes. Yeah. Are you cool with me not helping at 5.45 in the morning when the day starts? Are you cool with me based on the night before sleeping until 10 a.m.? Are you cool with me waking up at 5.45 only to take NyQuil to go back to sleep at 10 a.m. and then be totally tapped out for the day and go work out must be good at iniquity <laughs> how are your blowjobs <laughs> they're a very important part of me getting connected when i touch down on a scale of one to ten what would you rate your blowjob <laughs> oh i might start an e-harmony site just to see what kind of chicks i can fall in love with oh god <laughs> this guy this podcast is also brought to you by lisa mattresses Lisa mattress is the mattress Georgia sleeps on. I love it. It is one of the I most. I sneak in there and sleep on her in her bed with her because that mattress is more is so comfortable. No shit, and they also make a pillow. And Georgia oh, loves the pillow. The pillow. She goes, the pillow doesn't move, Dad. The pillow is amazing. Driven by a mission to provide a better place to sleep for everyone, Lisa donates one mattress to a shelter for every ten they sell through their one ten program. That's cool. Over 23,000 mattresses donated so far and one tree planted for every order received. Available online or at Lisa Dream Galleries in Soho, New York or Virginia Beach. They are American-made mattresses compressed into a box and delivered to your door. Try the mattress in your home for 100 nights risk-free with free shipping as always. Right now you can go and try one before you buy it if you'd like at 80 West Elm stores nationwide. Lisa's patented universal adaptive feel is designed for all types of sleepers. Belly sleepers, arm sleepers, back sleepers. Those are the kind of sleepers. I I Google sleepers. What about snore sleepers? I I Google belly sleeping because I thought it might get rid of my snoring. No. Yeah, it doesn't. No. It's actually really bad for your back belly sleeping. Yeah, it's really bad. Lisa's, Lisa's patented universal adaptive feel is designed for all types of sleepers. They've got three premium phone layers. The two-inch Avena foam top layer for cooling and breathability. I could have used that last night when I was sweating my balls off. Totally. Two-inch memory foam middle layer for body contouring and press relief. I could also use that because I think the right side of my body is getting fatter than the left side of my body because I always sleep on the right side of my body. That's not true. Six-inch 
dense core so, so support foam for durability and structure for sleepers of all sizes. That means even real big fats fucks like Tom Segura. 11,000 five-star reviews. Lisa Mattresses is loved by 300,000 happy sleepers and counting. Available in the US, the UK, Canada, and Germany. Get this fucking mattress. Lisa is continuing to expand its offerings to include the Lisa pillow, which Georgia has and absolutely loves. Blanket, sheets, foundation, and frame, all available online and free shipping. Go to Lisa, that's L-E-E-S-A, dot com slash Burtcast for $125 off Lisa mattresses. Wow, $125 off a mattress is nice. That's really nice because they're not expensive. They're they're far less than $2,000. The king size mattress yeah. is like $1,700. So when you get that much off, that's a really great deal. And they're so comfortable. Go to lisa.com slash Burtcast for $125 off the Lisa mattress. That's the deepest discount they've ever offered. That's lisa.com slash Burtcast for $125 off the Lisa mattress. Lisa. A better way to sleep. Sleeping, s- sleeping is the new standard. Sleep elevated. Sleeping is the new running. Sleeping is the it. new sleeping. Um, <laughs> you're gonna love this podcast. I got two more coming up. Kevin Brennan, like I said, next week. Kevin or Neil? Kevin. Oh. <laughs> Kevin Brennan next week, and uh, Dan Cummins. Eddie Ifs was there too. The week after. Oh yeah, Eddie Ifs there. When Kit with Kevin, I totally forgot about that. How did I forget about that? And uh, we got more coming up. So uh, that's it. You got anything you want to say? No, I'm good. Thank you for being a great partner. Thank you for being a great partner. Let's go make dinner for our girls and our friends. Totally. And I'm going to the comedy store to do two shows there and then one at the improv. And I'm going to bed. My brain is fried. I'm so tired. The butt crack of fucking dawn. Oh, sorry. And then I'm going to get in my pool at two in the morning. Just don't wake me up, okay? Get in the pool at two in the morning. So should I sleep with Georgia on her Lisa mattress? You should. (laughs) Because I need to sleep. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Today's BurtCast. Moshe Kasher. Tell them the story. I Halston, it was it was serendipitous. I was go ahead. Yeah, well, I I had heard that you were looking for a producer because I was just a fan and I was delivering pizzas and I needed podcasts and I was binging. You so just many love podcasts. pizza, pussy, and podcasts. Pizza, right? pussy, That's your and pod- thing. <laughs> now it's just podcasts. Right? No, the more podcasts you get into, the now less doing pussy. pussy you get. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. But I'm the more pizza you, you eat, so it's a trade off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then he had, you know, he, he's not really discreet about where he kind of lives. So I was like, oh my God, I live in the area. And so I was like, I, I walk around that block all the time. I know, I know, like I go on walks with my girlfriend and, and, uh, I told myself if I ever saw him and he was with his kids, I would never, ever go up to him and talk to him ever. Like, no, you talk just, to the kids that's directly, the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bunch of kids. Yeah. Do you want a new daddy, et cetera? And then you look at Burton and say, I'm looking for a job. I can make this <laughs> yes. smooth over real easy. <laughs> so I was walking around the block and he was out front playing catch with, with his daughter. And I was like, oh, he's with his daughter. I would never go up to him. And then she throws the ball over the roof and she has to go in the backyard to get it. And I looked at my girlfriend. And I was like, this is my, ch- this is my shot. <laughs> this is so creepy. <laughs> yeah, On yeah. a certain level. He's like, the daughter's gone. Go, go, I go. Have to. Like, I, I wouldn't have talked to him with his, with his daughter there, but... Um, 
and then I, I walked up and was like, I have a home studio. Yeah, I know how to run all this mixing board The shit. best part was that he lives right around the corner from me. Yeah. Uh-huh. So like if, if I go, like so we do this solo podcast now. So if I go, hey, can you do like five today? He's like, yeah, I'll be there in, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Well, you do your own now. I do a solo one attached to this and like uh, where it's called open tabs. I just, throughout the weekend, I just keep all the tabs open that Very I funny. Google. Uh-huh. And then I just go through them and tell you what I learned. That's brilliant. I love yeah. it. And so, um, and so, uh, and then, and then this one, but we're so backed up. We've had so many fucking podcasts lately that, uh, that like, I guess everyone's got stuff going on. The super troopers have a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor Moore has a special coming out. Um, and you and Natasha did the honeymoon special. We just dropped yesterday. Oh, I don't know when it just this dropped is gonna, yesterday. I don't know when this comes out. It so. doesn't matter. The, that's it the beauty was yesterday of Netflix, when it happened. Is that you don't want to pre-promote things. You want to promote it while it's on the air. Yeah, exactly. So you get this long window of like three months. You really have four years, but you have three months totally. where people are going to find it. But it's always going to be in the rotation. Sugar was like yesterday. Was like I'm going to screen grab you people right now just finding my special and emailing me he goes i have as many emails today as i got the day it dropped you do you know very few people know this because no one cared but i was i think the first of the first two specials ever to go on netflix was my special and todd glasses and it was so long ago that when we when netflix bought it i was embarrassed I was like, really? yeah, I was like, oh man, okay, like Comedy Central's not interested, uh, you know, they're passing, but we got, Netflix said they'd buy it, and I was like, Ugh, it felt like, you know, it had, Amazon Prime had said that they would, I mean, now Amazon is also a legitimate buyer too, but at yeah, the time, yeah. I swear <laughs> to God, I was embarrassed, I remember being embarrassed about it. That's crazy. And uh, it was it was on for, I don't know, a couple of years, and it's been, the, my first special was in, that's oh. Oh nine or maybe maybe twenty twelve. That's what it was. Yeah. So now it's like it's this other animal. It's I, I, here's the way I perceive it. You, I'd love to hear your opinion. I believe it's Bill Burr. That's interesting. That's an interesting idea. It's Bill Burr, but it's also it's also Louie and it's also Allie and it's also Tom. And, no, and, no, no. But but Bill was the first. You think Bill was the first one that had a? Bill was big when he got there. Bill did a Netflix special, and I remember watching it on youtube and so, and then being like and then being like putting it and being like oh this is a great special it was one of the best specials i'd seen in a long time and then putting it out there on the twitter like this is a great special and someone's like bert you need to support bill on netflix and i remember going what the fuck you mean i'm not gonna order this dvd and wait for it and then mail it back and they're like no it's online i go i'm definitely not going online and at that time tom's special was airing and it I think I, I I this is the way I saw it. I could be very wrong, but Tom and Bill were kind of married, like kind brothers. Like their their material was similar. Oh, that's interesting. So people that like Bill found Tom, and Tom's fan base is so much bigger than 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 I can I can wrap my head around. But it wasn't when he first did that special. His first special is what popped. Right. And my theory about me and Natasha is that we're like like married. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of a yeah. thing. Um, no, I, I, do, I actually dis- think I disagree with you. Okay, I think that w- the big shift is Netflix. It's not- Bill. There's no question. So you think it was Netflix, people finding Netflix. And people like love stand-up and stand-up's having its renaissance and whatever. And also like because of the way that Netflix acquires things, it's not like, it doesn't really have an uh, an editorial bent, you know? So you're going to have, you know, you're going to have your Rogan 
Segura, Bill Burr, and then you're also going to have your like, you know, lefty liberally Joe like, Mandy, Joe Joe Mandy, like artsy Joe Mandy, uh, Neil Neil Brennan, yeah, whatever. It's just it's so wide, yeah. That every and everybody is everybody is. Well, I got an email when the special came out, this most recent special from my cousin in uh, in Tel Aviv, and it's my artwork and it's in hebrew and i read it it's like stand up it's like it's i'm in israel now so it's like such a neat kind of so i actually think that's it like i think there's no question a comedian like bill burr put moved the needle and then and then the needle is kept moving Uh, we were saying like i remember one night i was at the store uh, with mo mandel and there was like all of a sudden i mean the the stores had had a big transformation in as you know in many other ways but all of a sudden we're looking around it's like why there's so many fucking bentley's here and then it's like rob schneider and david spade all these dudes that you kind of david spade has been doing stand-up consistently but just i'm talking about people that kind of you kind of weren't seeing as much before and i go why are all these dudes here all of a sudden and mo very wisely was like well netflix just started paying like millions of dollars for special people are like meerkatting out of like the acting world like wait i'm I actually still do stand up. Yeah, I can definitely do stand up. Yeah. I, I have a, I have something to say. It's so funny you say that uh, because you're right. Dave Chappelle kind of made it so that you just can do stand up. I mean, it's insane the amount that people are getting. I heard, I heard Ricky Gervais. People keep talking about Ricky Gervais got sixty million dollars. No, that that's impossible. Unless that's an overall unless, development deal. Oh, that's possible. That's, because I would definitely. I think that's worth the money. I mean, if you right. say that, if you say that. And by the way, I hope this doesn't come out super slanderous. But if you say, what, what did Chappelle get? Twenty million? I don't remember. Something like, insane. Something forty million. Yeah. Rock got forty million. Amy got thirteen million. Yeah. I, I mean, I got. And they just did special. I got nineteen million, and I'm Dude, like, how could this be? I know. I got. I got. Well, I got. Uh, I was God. I wish I could remember. Her What's funny is you're name. right now thinking about the real number, and then you're no. thinking about the best joke number to say. No, I'm trying to remember her fucking name. I was gonna say Thea Vidal, but it's not Thea Vidal. Oh, Monique. I got Monique money. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're doubly racist, and I like that. Um, but it is. It is crazy that like. Ricky Gervais could put out so much more stuff. Right, right. I would I would I would settle for a very modest number if my next special was at Netflix and it was an overall deal. I, I totally agree. I would I would settle for not much more than they paid me on this one and for an overall deal. And I bet you and Natasha would in a heartbeat because you guys are such a creative couple that to have a home to create and just put stuff up. Absolutely. I mean, it's like we're in the era right now where companies are eating culture alive and like Netflix is this one interesting example that's it's eating culture alive but in a way that's not destroying culture like yeah. like Amazon Amazon is putting um the Amazon business model is like putting little stores out of business. I mean, I always say Amazon wants to put business out of business. Yeah. You know, they want to be business. Yeah. But Netflix is putting like networks out of business and it's kind of like who gives a fuck you know like in the end if there's like 16 new shows a week and they're churning out creative stuff like well that's actually kind of like a home for art and in a way that's really cool i mean the idea that like you're doing a special and i'm doing a special and burr's doing a special and and cat williams do it like it's just there there's never been a kind of cooler more interesting time to like be a stand-up that can do a, a special i think the the one thing the one weakness i see in netflix right now is they haven't cracked the nut of reality programming have you did you see queer eye 
I haven't seen Queer Eye, and everyone told me yo, it's amazing. Yo, for real? You want to be sitting like in your man cave weeping? I mean, are you serious? A hundred percent serious. Like you will. I, I would. I would love to watch it with you. Really? I would love to cuddle up with you and Bill Burr and just watch you guys watch Queer Eye and see. And see. <laughs> I love that right now Bill's here and this going, I'm not a fucking homophobic. <laughs> no, I'm not even, I'm not insinuating anyone is. It's just like, it's nice to, because that's the premise of that show is like men. Yeah. And not that the Queer Eye guys aren't men, but they're, they're very, a lot of, some of them, one in particular is like extremely effeminate, yeah. kind of like cozying up to these men who are men yeah. and just it's such a kind of beautiful like I remember last time we were here we were talking politics a lot and I'm like now at this point I feel like I've been like a foie gras duck with politics like I don't even I don't even want to think about politics anymore yeah. and Queer Eye does this weird thing where it subverts politics and it's like it's 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 beyond it's like a, it gets into your emotional I yeah. want to see you watch it I would like to watch that because I want to see the um, the format they use because I know that Netflix has acquired some I'm a big fan of I'm a really 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 big fan of like building shows, off the off the grid shows, wilderness shows, cooking shows. Yeah, yeah. Like, ultimately, everything that is like HGTV, DIY, cooking, and food, and travel. But travel, I think, is stalled. I think that network kind of stalled and yeah. is just redoing stuff that worked like twelve years ago. Have you seen Nailed It? No, that's a funny show. It's cool. It's do you know who Nicole Byer is? No, it's a very funny comedian. Wait, what is it? It's a show where they get people like. Uh, well, you actually can cook, but people like me, or actually you would be good on it, to come in and try to cook pastries at like an ex extremely high level. Really? And they basically watch as people make the, like, the most horrifying, like ugly disasters of a dessert. Is that on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Okay, yeah. I'm watching that. That's I'm fun. watching that on my flight tomorrow. What do you, uh, you, should, yeah, you should do a show. I mean, that's your... I, I, I will, I, I would, I think I would be probably... Um, I don't know. Part of me feels like I'm in mean, my last show. I got offered. I felt like I, I felt like I was taking a step backwards. Uh huh. So I was like, if I'm not like, I just felt like I've done that for so long that I want to try something. Yeah, hard. I hear that. Try what do you want? Different. You want to be in a sitcom or something? <clears throat> well, I mean, my ultimate goal, and this is super lowbrow, but I want to be in a four camera sitcom. I've always enjoyed uh -huh. that. You'd be so good at that. I just love that live aspect. You want to know my ultimate goal is? Please. Watching Queer Eye with you in your man cave. No, what is my ultimate goal? I don't even know the answer to that. I, I remember one time I was having like existential angst. By the way, we can totally do that. Yeah. <laughs> we can totally do that as a podcast where we just watch it. B Bert watching Queer Eye. Just, yeah, and just, and every now and then we'll have to go stop and everyone hits their space bar and stops it oh, and some, they watch it along with us you know what I like there's some great videos on YouTube of this, these two black dudes uh, listening to heavy metal like heavy metal classics yeah and then they do that exact thing they're like they're really they're so cool because they're like really into they're not like metalheads at all yeah. so every, it's like they're listening to like you know uh, Master of Puppets for the first time and you're watching them go like okay okay stop I see okay I see <laughs> definitely what's happening here I see why this is good yeah. you know that anyway that's you with Queer Eye yeah, um, yeah I yeah I think um, you on a multicam sick I mean, that just seems like a, a what do you dump. what do you want to do. I, I, I'm doing what I like, I think. I, I'm like, I think in the long term, I, I've been thinking about this lately, like in the long term, I think I had a moment of existential angst a few years ago, right after my book came out. And I was like, what do I want to do? Such a great book. Oh, thanks, man. Such thank a great you book. very much. Really very, such a great book. Thank you. I'm very, I didn't know you read it. That's, yeah, that's Catcher in the nice. Rye. Yeah. Of course I did. Not cat for the listeners, not Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye. Catcher, it's me. Um, it's such a great, you're such a natural writer. Thank it you. It really is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't, there's two people where I read the book and I went, 
I don't know if they should have been stand-ups. They might have been writers in a different world. In the 1950s, they might have just been amazing writers. That's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. I didn't dream of stand-up when I was a kid. I dreamt of being a writer, of really? writing books. Yeah. You and Patton Oswalt. Oh, Patton. Yeah. Was it right. Werewolves and Lollipops? Yeah. That was such an amazing book. It really took and now he had he had the leaning into that i knew the character of Patton, you know and i think you did too right where i knew your character going into uh-huh. it but man both of those books just really really oh, that's amazing so nice books. that's so cool of you to say i really i was very proud of that book it was like it meant a lot to me to do that it was like very it was just a huge emotional here because the book for those of you that haven't read it is all about my childhood trauma which is was severe and insane and i i, I know what i look like now but if you'd seen me Your then parents were deaf. both parents are deaf my dad was a hasidic jew after my parents split my dad got like delved into hasidic judaism my mom was not religious i was raised in oakland one of the few white kids in any school i went to raised on welfare and then got fell into drugs and juvenile mental health system when i was like 12 and was in and out of rehab and in and out of jail and in and out of high school and junior high school and and then just just hit a brick wall by the time when I was 16 I went to rehab for the last time and so the but the, the subtitle of the book is uh Cashier in the Rye the true tale of a white boy from Oakland who became a drug addict criminal mental patient and then turned 16 so it's a it's a mouthful and it was a mouthful of an experience it's a really great book thanks dude um but did you would you I see I didn't like I didn't enjoy the process of writing a book. You didn't like it. I will. It's not. I don't think it's my natural extension. It's so different from stand up, right? It's so lonely. Stand up is so communal, especially your stand up. Maybe more than any other stand up comedian, literally in the world, it's like this process of oh. you and your and your machines or whatever you call them. You know, the, <laughs> cogs. Yeah, I mean, they yeah the cogs. <laughs> it's like yeah, a, a book is so isolating. Yeah, you're so in your own brain. But I kind of like that part of it. Like, but I, also, don't you feel like it's it really puts you out there to show your weaknesses in a way that stand up you can mask your weaknesses with stand up absolutely yeah i was i, I remember when he said uh yaniv was my editor and he was like let's no we're gonna go through a punch up i was like i don't i don't know how i know how to do that that's as funny as i think it can be that's funny and then i went through and i was like oh like hold on like it was really like oh fuck I don't like I don't do this much I come up with an idea and kind of work it out on stage I don't just sit well your punch up session is like six months long right you're like as you're crafting and perfecting a bit and then by the time I mean nobody punches up eventually like a stand up because by the time it's done it's like yeah there is no more room for jokes It's, it's insane I mean imagine reading your material it'd be like it'd be too much you know that happened to me one time Pat Buckles right before I did Premium Blend was like, uh, hey, we never really went over your material. Do you mind going over it right now? It was right before I went on stage. And I was like, sure. And she read it to me. She had a transcript. <laughs> and I swear to God, this was my opening joke. My name's Bert. She lived, this is, she, my name's Bert. I know you're thinking, hot, sexy name, Bert. I don't want to hear that call out in bed. Bert, Bert, Bert. <laughs> and I was like, it's funnier when I do it. And she's like, it doesn't seem funny when I read it. And I went, well, no, I, I make the noise. I go, Bert, Bert, Bert. And she was like, okay. I mean, it's like, how inane can you be? It's like, you're not aware that there's a performative aspect of stand-up comedy? Comedy Central? This is the central area of comedy. You, <laughs> She just kept staring at me like, like, okay, uh, 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 black guys hate when you touch your faces? What? Huh? Yeah, I think everyone does. <laughs> I mean, that is so funny that somebody would think that they could read a transcript and be like, this isn't really oh. working. It, but you know what I learned that night? Tig went up before me, and I, you know, I don't mean this once again slanderous. I love Tig, but Tig bombed. She'll tell you she bombed. Yeah, I went up and killed. Yeah, I had a great set. But when you watch it on TV, I look like crazy, 
and Tig looks <laughs> confident and cool. established. Oh, that's very funny. And they just plug in laughs and Tig's Tig's set was so much better than mine. Yeah. And so I was like, I remember one of the best sets I ever saw was your first Aspen set in that theater. Oh, that was fun. I remember I that remember set watching too. that set online on MySpace. No shit, really? Mm-hmm. You're such a supportive dude. That's so interesting that you would have done that. I would never have done that. I, I like I like laughing. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, that's my, my it's, it's my flaw. Here, here's my, my biggest flaw is I like I like being a fan of shit. I like enjoying shit. I yeah. don't like disliking stuff. That brings out a really negative side of me, and it happens. It definitely happens. But I always try to find the glass half full. Right now, I'm trying to work on a bit of why social media is amazing and great, and That's why phones cool. are great. Because I'm like, because I'm like, we're not, they're not going away. Everyone's saying this is so bad for us. So. But it's not, I got my. I don't know. I'm lost in my bits. I don't know. But are you re, are you rebuilding right now? I am. Me too. That's a bitch of a process. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I'm like I have my problem is I did this special with Natasha. She does a ha- basically the structure of the special is that she does a half hour, I do a half hour, and then we do a half hour uh, episode together where we bring couples up from the audience and basically just kind of roast them, you know, together. Yeah. And it's it's cool because it's a new format of the special, and that's why I think like as you know. There are so many hour specials on Netflix. Like I think they're going to start doing. There's just this four part special. I forget the guy's name, dude from England that is on Netflix right now. That people are talking about a lot. The guy that's like, laying on his side. I think so. Yeah. Do you yeah, see yeah. it? I saw. I, I saw the the uh, I saw the po- the poster board for it, and I went. I <clears throat> I stopped watching the international specials. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Right. Because I was watching some, and I was like, and I was fucking with my head because I'm I'm like. Someone had said this to me once, but then some, but they had pr- planted the seed of, it is definitely not what you say, it's how you say it. That's uh-huh. what makes a great stand-up. Yeah. Who was I doing that with? <clears throat> we were doing impressions of comedians, but not doing their acts, just doing what they sound like. And and when you start listening to people do Spanish, like do an act in Spanish, you can almost predict where the joke's coming, and, and it started really fucking with my head. Oh, you were like watching those Mexican specials and the Malaysian ones. Yeah. And, I mean, that's another weird thing about Netflix. You're like, uh, what am I, like, who, where are we right yeah. now? We're Peru, the Peru, Peru's best comic? I did not know I would ever be in a world where I'm watching Peru. Dude, here's a crazy story. Speaking of how the internet has affected stand-up comedy, this is pre-Netflix uh, acquiring these international comics. I heard this crazy story, because the internet itself is affecting stand-up in this crazy way, like... Um, like because for a long time people internationally were isolated in their little uh, stand-up bubble, right? Because the, yeah. there was no internet, so they weren't watching everybody stand up. They lived over there, you know. They might, maybe they would get like once in a while, like a, a famous special, but they're not. You know, it's like it was always just like Carlin and whatever. Long story short, uh, the, there was a guy in Italy. I, hold, I heard the story when I was over. I was in Italy writing on Zoolander 2. I was like doing punch up for, for Zoolander 2. Yeah, living in Rome for like four months. And it was like one of the best experiences of my life. And uh, I met like local comedians and I met this local Italian comic. He was telling me the story that there was a guy who started in uh, like the 80s or something. And he was kind of like an Italian comedian, like a clown, like as you would picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, b- big kind of silly, mimey, interna- international Roberto comedy. Benigni. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then about five years into his career or whatever, he did this shift where he became this amazing, incisive, like 
national hero of stand-up comedy. He went from this clown to this like sort of like just this brilliant like didactic tactician of 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 political ideas and 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 oh, cultural fuck you're talking about cultural whatever and then then he he's the hero of of you know he's like he is yeah. Carlin of Italy and then the internet came out and the young Italian comedians started to watch everybody stand up and it will watch you know Carlin with subtitles or Pryor with subtitles oh, and be like shut yo up. this is this is the <clears throat> this is our national heroes bit like thing after thing after thing and then they busted the guy and were like uh, and then he disappeared and no one's just like he basically is off the face of the map what a fucking genius though for while it worked oh how just, i bet him when he was like this internet's not gonna catch up with me <laughs> he just what's flies. the worst that can happen and then he googles himself and he sees the the carlos mencia the the like a lot of similarities back to back it flies to i mean just think of this guy like okay goodbye ciao italia ciao. i'll be back in one month and he yeah. just like flies to vegas like with a notepad at carlin shows and prior shows like great this is good stuff flies back home translates it to italian and yeah. he's just like a genius anyway there's um <clears throat> wait talk, wait what was it like living in rome punching up and, and what's it like punching up i've never done that i've always wanted to oh Oh, it's I mean it, that was real fun and uh, I mean especially on a movie like Zoolander because Zoolander is a movie that is so chalk filled with uh, cameos that yeah. every day is like a new exciting like holy shit I hung out with Sting today St have you ever met Sting no the most awesome guy in the world clearly has made a decision at some point in his life like I'm Sting I'm gonna be fucking awesome so that everybody that meets Sting will be like Sting is fucking awesome yeah. he came and ate he ate lunch with the extras Sting Sting Sting, really? he hugged me goodbye. Hu why? Why are you hugging me, Sting? Because you're a cool guy. Oh, I mean, just the coolest. I mean, the nicest dude ever. Um, and I, who else did I meet? I met Justin Bieber. <laughs> also, just the nicest dude ever. Really? No, come on. Uh, <laughs> no, he's not a bad guy. I do. I have a very funny story about Justin Bieber. Also, on set, we were um, we were at the Caracalla Baths in Rome doing a. Um, doing a, a sunrise scene and uh and he was justin bieber was there and natasha was visiting uh and she had done the the bieber roast oh, with, yeah. with him so i didn't want to get in his, you know a star like that like there there's a kind of energy that's like sort of you know surrounds them where it's you don't even want to like enter their orbit without like a a portal in kind of and um and so they were shooting the scene and stuff and I was like pitching jokes and it's always just, what's fun is to pitch jokes to like you know uh, Kiefer Sutherland and, and, and you know Penelope Cruz and watch them laugh and then you're like kind of like I mean I don't ever get starstruck by stand-ups but when I'm seeing like some, you know these like oh yeah weirdo movie stars are like that's kind of cool it's a, like a neat feather in your cap to pitch them a joke and they like it uh, so whatever the, the sun's coming up they, they shot all night and the sun's coming up and then Natasha who's been taking a nap in my trailer comes out and I was like Justin you remember Natasha um, from the roast and he's like oh yeah they connect because she had roasted him and yeah. been really brutal and they all they, I mean after something like that they, they pretty much know each other absolutely it sounds, you know it sounds crazy but also Natasha <clears throat> like just skewered him so hard like and she's such a diminutive little like thing yeah. to be you know her her opening joke was uh, your mom had you when she was uh, something like your mom had you when you were, she was 16 no wonder you've got such good dance moves you were dodging the coat hanger in, the, in utero <laughs> something crazy yeah. like, anyway so then we're like okay well bye you know you Bye, we're gonna go 
take a private tour of the Caracalla Baths because it was closed down for us. The Caracalla Baths are this ancient Roman bathhouse where all of the citizens of Rome would come to like work out and bathe. And uh, it was just like a giant, like mega bathing complex, you know? And, um, and it's like a world UNESCO historical site. And there's these beautiful mosaics. And it's like you never get to go in there by yourself. But because it was a production, they shut it all down. So dope. So we're going and we're walking away. And we hear from behind us, some, uh, we hear, Moshe, Natasha. And we turn around and it's Justin Bieber and his squad. And they're like, can we come with you? To, on a walking tour, sunrise walking tour of the car call bus, we're like, uh, yeah, Justin Bieber, yeah. you can join us. Shut up. So he comes with us, him and Scooter, Scooter, I was going to say Libby, but that's the other Scooter, Scooter, Scooter Braun, who, by the way, I don't know if you know him. No. He's Justin's manager. He like, that dude's like the most brilliant music tactician in the world. He like, really? he found Justin online and was like, that guy's a star. He bought the rights to uh, Friday. You know, remember that yeah. for like something like a hundred, like $10,000 and then just like turned it into this viral hit. Anyway, whatever. So we're, we're like, they join us. I mean, it's this big old squad of like, and his dancers. I mean, it, a person like that has an orbit. Uh, and we're walking through the car, call baths and, uh, and we're kind of like playing this game where, you know, we're narrate, we're pretending to narrate, you know, and then Justin Bieber will narrate one room and he's like, oh, this is the this and I'm narrating another room and then all of a sudden I see Justin do like a, a Bieber-esque dance move over a like a security gate. He like pops into one of the mosaics and he's like, oh, dope. And... <laughs> Dope. And he's like, dope. And he grabs a mosaic <laughs> tile from in the uh, inside of the this international heritage site. And he's like, look. And he like jumps back out, like, got me a gift. And I'm like, I look at him and I my lit my judgment my gut judgmental gut is like it just falls out of my mouth. I'm like, Justin, what are you doing? Put that back. And I mean, I swear to God, like if I had one more second to think about it, I would have been like, oh, that's cool, man. Justin yeah. Bieber just robbed a Roman historical artifact. <laughs> but I, it just fell out of my mouth yeah. like as if it was a child. And he looked at me and it was like, he was looking at me with this look like, stop it. Don't do that. I know those words. I've heard all of those words together before. Stop like, it. I Don't know, do that. It, it, but his face was like, but no one... I haven't. No one said that to me in a long time. <laughs> and then I'm like, my face probably like, oh no, I just yeah, said yeah. these words. And he goes, oh man, now you made me feel bad. And he pops back over, puts a mosaic tile in, and we oh my we God. continue on our tour. Oh my God, <laughs> that, that was a weird morning. How great! What a great fucking story. I would love to just meet Justin Bieber. I would love to. It's people like that, I would love to get inside their head in an honest way. Right. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, like to really, like my, my problem is I'm super honest. I'm super honest. I'm super open. So you can get in my head really quick. Right. And by the way, Sting is as famous as Justin Bieber, but you could have a conversation with him easily. Yeah. If you had him here, you guys would be in... It, by the way, I'm not Sting's best friend. I know it sounds like right now, but my, my homie Sting, yeah, yeah. like I'm on a first name basis with Sting yeah. and I don't do first and last like most people do, Sting Borowitz, but... Um, is, is his last name is Borowitz? No, no. I'm oh, oh my God, I was like, Sting's Jewish? Sting. <laughs> I wish. Believe me, I Oh, wish. that would be fucking, I would be on the front of the Torah. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like somebody's watching me. Um, 
but but a dude like that there are just <laughs> Thank you. oh that's a really good bit that's a uh that's a really good bit jewish thing it's a really good no just uh if uh if rock stars were jewish uh if like uh, if mick jagger was jewish what's a what's uh oh uh well yeah i mean that's i can't yeah, I, no, of course I can't get satisfaction. I mean, there is no satisfaction available in this universe. I I mean, when you think about it, I mean, uh, I can't what get is no satisfaction? satisfaction. Yeah. I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> can't get no satisfaction. Okay, he becomes Rodney Dangerfield all of a sudden. Um, but there is something that happens with extremely, extremely famous people, I think. I mean, I've never been extremely, extremely famous. Ooh, I have a partake on this. Keep going. Where they have to make a decision. Like, am I going to be a cool, regular person? Because you can't really be regular. But you can be a person that that uh, impersonates a regular person. Yep. Or you can be a person that's like, fuck the world. I'm going to be a famous person only and I'm going to build walls around myself and that's how I'll be. What's your take? I believe that I have experienced a few um, and this is more in my past, I think, of people that became famous and then it fucked with their heads so bad they believed that they had um, they had the secret to life. Oh, totally. And they were like, now that I've done this, everything I tell you is the right answer. Because I did this. A hundred percent. So if you're not listening to me, then you're fucking your life up. And I, <clears throat> I, never really, I never really could connect with that because I came from a place, I came from such a regular place in life, like such a place where like no one ever thought they'd get on TV. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. And, and that was not me like... Me too, by the way. And I, and think, I think everyone that comes out of this business comes from that place. But, it, but then when you come to LA, I remember my buddy Eddie Fernandez witnessed a comedian who was famous uh make fun of me in front of everyone like and you I, were there or i was, was right there talking? i was right there okay got it and my uh-huh. buddy eddie fernandez is like a regular dude yeah cuban uh his dad was part of the uh the um uh not sunday bloody sunday the bay of pigs oh wow like, like uh-huh. cuban like cuban yeah but he lived in tallahassee his dad's a doctor really smart guy but like been in a bunch of fist fights sure and um he moved out to la and he heard someone make fun of me and Everyone laughed and I laughed. And Eddie pulled me aside. He goes, what's happening to you? He's like, you smacked that guy in the fucking face. And I was like, oh, that's not how Hollywood works. He was like, that's how men work. You know, a man doesn't do that, bro. Like, are you, are you, Alexa, stop. Uh, uh, like, are you? It's hilarious. You're literally like live podcasting onto Alexa right now. She just pops up like, do someone need to know? No, it's more like, did somebody say Cuban? (laughs) Yeah. They've got like a button here on now a watch list. Yeah. And so part of me was like, wait, can I ask you? Sure. Were you this famous comedian? Were you offended by the joke, but pretending to laugh or were you enjoying having your balls busted? It's well, part of me, I don't know. I really you don't, don't remember. remember. I don't this. really remember the joke. I remember. But the it, I'm, I'm saying, like, if you bust my balls, yeah, then I'm gonna like go. Well, that's my friend Bert. That's funny. I like that. He didn't know me that well, so it was like it was rude. He knew me, but he didn't know me that well. Yeah, and yeah, he was yeah. in a group, and I said something, and he made fun of me. He wasn't so it was whack. It yeah, wasn't yeah. good. There was Got like it. there's a bunch of people I've known that have done real shitty things. And which and Eddie was just like, you smack him in the fucking face. And I was like, oh it doesn't work like that in Hollywood. And he goes, no, that's how men work. And that's how that guy should understand that that's what happens when he talks shit like that. Right. And I was like, well he wasn't talking shit like that. He was just, you know, Eddie, it's really complicated. And he goes, no, this is what I fucking hate about Hollywood. Is that you would never let a man talk to you like that. But then in Hollywood you would right and and there is a weird but i think also yeah, but it's funny though there's some a lot of wisdom in that but there's also on the other hand he's like because in tallahassee you would violently assault that person that, like, that, ah the wisdom of tallahassee that's the flip side of it is that there is a part of that that is my friends 
where I go back and I hang out with them now, some of them, not all of them, and they do shit like uh, talk shit to strangers, uh, which <laughs> I don't do in LA. I don't think a lot of people do in LA. Yeah. Like, uh, like I do. Like, <laughs> I do though. I got a hair serious? trigger. I know, I know I look like a bitch, guys. I Are know that. Are you serious? But yeah, I have this thing and I'm working on it. It's something I've been working on for a long time where I have this like hair trigger around res- being respected that if I, if I get like, I never start anything. Yeah. But if a person disrespects me, in a way that I just can't, my mouth starts going before my brain can catch up to go like, yo, don't do that. By the way, it's bullshit and cowardly because I guarantee you if like a big fucking like bodybuilder looking dude started talking shit, somehow my brain would be able to stop my tongue. But if it's a person that's like, you know, vaguely not threatening looking, then I'm just like in, I got, Uh, I got a tail. Uh, Please. I was coming back from the airport once. This is a very funny, very stupid exact window into my Natasha calls it old Mosh. That's what she calls it. Really? She's like, don't fucking bring old Mosh around. I know I, everybody's rolling their eyes right now listening to this. They're Googling an image search of me and going like, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure it's <laughs> terrifying. I'm not saying it's terrifying. I'm saying it happens. Okay. I, I said to my friend Jacob, I go, anytime I mention the word Oakland in an argument that I'm from Oakland, I have, uh, there's something wrong happening. I'm about to like go to jail or get killed, right? Anytime some <laughs> I'm like, you do know that I'm from, that's, we're in a bad place. Okay. Yeah. So I was on my way back from the airport and we called an Uber. And when we made eye contact with the Uber, he kind of like, he made a face and I should have known at that point, like, like, oh, this, something, this, there's something up. Cause the dude, he's a big gangly, like, uh, he looks like a professor, but he's very tall, like, like college, like basketball player tallness yeah. but like 60 years old professor of like jazz looking dude or whatever and he kind of rolls his eyes at us and i was i should have just like paid attention to that cue but i just didn't i jumped in and we had just watched uh drugstore not drugstore cowboy yeah drugstore cowboy with uh with um hoffman and uh, uh and is Redford? No. No, no, no. It's uh, it's Angelina Jolie's dad. Oh, uh, yeah. John Voight and yeah. Dustin Hoffman. For the first time, i never seen it before. So we were sitting in the back seat, and he's kind of puffing a little bit, but not enough to really notice the driver. Yeah. And we're talking about, Natasha and I are talking about Drugstore Cowboy. We're processing it. I'd never seen it before. And we're like kind of, you know, just discussing what was it? Like, was that a homosexual love affair or were they not? Or like, like, were they in love with each other or did he like what really was going? We're just really talking about like deconstructing the film from our perspective as having never seen. You've seen it, of course. I I get that. And Midnight Cowboys. They are super confusing. It's about like John Voight moves to New York. He's like a big old cowboy looking dude. And And he he meets Dustin Dustin Hoffman, who's like a street street hustler. Yeah. And like. Uh, he like starts uh, John Voight's like turning gay tricks he's like selling himself oh, in a gay way yeah, but he's not gay that. it's this whole it's really a great movie oh maybe I have they, they were gay in Midnight Cowboy too right or is that I'm that's, think, no, that's I'm think, hats on the bed no I'm thinking of uh, I'm maybe think, I'm thinking Midnight Cowboy maybe that's what it's no, called no Midnight Cowboy's got Matt Dillon in it wait are you sure we're not mix, we're not no Drugstore Cowboy is what you're thinking mm-hmm. and I'm also mixing up the River Phoenix movie uh where he's blowing the guy in the opening scene. Oh, that's a roughie. Yeah. That's was, a rough blowjob. Yeah, t- turn that on in college and be like, I'm a big River Phoenix fan. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that's I remember that. I don't know which... Is that... R- R- what movie is that? Uh, anyway, that's a rough blowjob scene. That yeah. is one of the... And now what you're thinking, guys. Not not a good rough blowjob scene. Yeah. Not the new fun modern bang bus rough blowjob. <laughs> yeah. But a rough emotional blowjob. Anyway... uh, So, okay. So we're driving back and we're... You know, are they gay? Blah, blah, blah. We're just like really kind of get to he starts like puffing a little bit and 
we're getting into my neighborhood and I'm like, uh, he kind of gets into the wrong lane. I'm like, oh, this is the right lane. If you just stay here, you'll be able to go straight through a little, Ooh. you know, a little hard breathe. And I'm like, okay, this dude, we get to my, my corner. We're at my corner. This is the problem with Uber is like, they're driving you to your home. You know, your home address. I'm going to yeah. start putting in a fake address. You know what Drop I mean? Drop them down the street. Yeah. Like uh, like Pretty in Pink. Exactly. <laughs> uh, another great prostitution movie. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, I was thinking Pretty Woman. Pretty in Pink, totally <laughs> different movie. Okay, Molly Ringwald. Uh, so I go, then I, I swear to God I'm not being, there's no antagonistic thing happening with me and this guy. I just go, oh, you can turn left here actually. Uh, the entrance to my house isn't on the street that it's, that the address is on. It's on the next street. Oh, you can turn left here. The entrance is right there. He's like, yeah, I'm going to turn. He's blowing it. I'm going to turn left. That's what it tells me to do. I'm doing what it's telling me to do. And I go, okay, you can stop the car right now. We're getting out right now. And he's just like, he's like, fine. And he slams on the, on the brake in the middle of the road. And I, I open the door in the middle of the road to like, I'm getting out. Like we're getting the fuck out of here. And I probably even said like, we're getting the fuck out of here. Let me out. And we start getting out and he's like, I'm pulling over. I'm pulling over into my driveway. And I'm like, and then we start like going like, no, you're not pulling over. Just give me the fuck out of here. You fucking you miss. And then I'm like, pop the trunk, dude. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting my bag and getting the fuck out of here. And I know what I did to elevate it. Things are crazy. Yeah. I pop out my phone and I'm just like record and I'm like what he that's what it, he called me like a dipshit or a little or he swore yeah and I'm like click start recording I'm like what'd you just say to me yeah. and he's immediately like I didn't tell you anything and then and I go pop the trunk you're getting fired I'm like narrating it all world star style like yeah. this motherfucker getting fired today boy and um and he's like I'm not giving you your bag I'm not giving you your bag and I'm like now I'm like I'm apoplectic. Natasha's like, old Moshe, no. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, open the fucking gate, open the trunk. And he's like, you go inside. I'll give it to your wife. I'm like, she, Natasha's like nine months pregnant, by the way. I'm like, I'm not leaving you alone with my pregnant wife, you fucking psycho. Open the trunk. And he's like, I'm calling the cops. I'm like, calling the cops for what? I'm trying to leave right now. Yeah. He gets on his phone, walks away, pop the trunk. I'm saying to Natasha, Natasha, nine months pregnant. I'm gone. I'm no longer a human being. I'm like, Natasha, get in the car, pop the trunk for me. Yeah. Nine months pregnant. <laughs> Nine and she's like fuck you dude fuck you old mosh i'm getting a divorce yeah and i'm like Ugh. i dive into the car i reach over i pop the trunk he sees me of course he's no longer human either right yeah. he's like neither of us are operating in a real world scenario he's like why does he want my bag why is yeah. he what what is the cops for what are they gonna do whatever he sees me in his car and popping the trunk he freaks out runs over slams the car down i'm like i'm about to beat this dude's ass i'm no let's be accurate i'm thinking i'm gonna i it's more like in reality i'm about to like get into a tussle and probably like get a chin checked by a nine foot tall basketball but i do think i could have taken this guy he looked like he had health issues I, I, he had like pacemaker wires or there's yeah. something happening with him where i feel like i could have killed him but um he go we're, we're screaming at each other and back and forth and natasha's trying to mediate you know and he's like get on the curb get on the curb so i'm like you know getting on the curb and he finally he Finally, I don't know how, why or how, but he pops the trunk. He gives my bags to Natasha, and I go, um, I go, all right, we're going inside now. Get the fuck off my property, bitch. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm waiting for the cops. And uh, 
And I'm like, the cops, I'm leaving. What are you going to tell the cops? He goes, yeah, he's like, I'm going to tell the cops that you're, that you're an asshole. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, they'll come in and APB on asshole, asshole PB. And he goes, I'm going to tell him that. And, I, and I'm walking away talking shit. And he goes, and I'm going to tell him that you didn't understand the plot to Midnight Cowboy. I swear to God. Are you serious? True story. And I just go, oh. in my mind, I'm like, okay, you you win like on yeah. so many levels as a comedian oh. like you win like i honor what you have done right now that's the best way <laughs> and i'm gonna understand i'm gonna explain you don't understand the plot to midnight cowboy hey uh mr Casher, uh yeah do you, do you have any sharp objects in your pocket yeah just reach behind your back here we did get a report that you uh you don't understand the plot to midnight cowboy that you thought it was maybe they were in love with each other and that yeah. maybe you're not really a deep thinker when it comes to classic cinema yeah that was me are you homophobic or something? <laughs> that was so crazy. were you thinking of drugstore cowboy what an amazing parting line from Dude. a man who's barely in touch with it he's so angry he he he's like me so angry he's like become like a a feral child of testosterone to be able to pull that at the very last second oh. i honor you sir the one of my flaws is hearing a story and then going oh i have a story like that that's one of my flaws is that a flaw i love it's that a flaw a little bit but i will tell you this is and this is this very story. short but um I had a one. I've, only, I've It wasn't a one night stand because I knew her very well. We worked together. She was a waitress at a comedy club I worked at. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh, which one? We might have been with the same lady. <laughs> and Don't say so, it. Uh, so we had one night. We had masturbated in front of each other. Oh, uh, classic. Yeah, and, and it was fun, and we partied, and and then uh, that's a consensual classic. It really was. It was really cool. We listened yeah. to Anita Franco. There's a candle <laughs> in the middle. We were drinking wine. I don't know if a man is legally allowed to masturbate in front of a woman when Ani DeFranco's playing. I think oh. there's actually a loophole that you can't do that. It was pretty fucking hot. And then um and then when then we didn't hook up again and then like 2 months later we're partying again and she was like, uh, "Let's go back to your house." I was in a different apartment, so it must have been more than 2 months. Uh -huh. I was in a different apartment. And so it must have been a while because Oh, it must have been a while because not only was I in a different apartment, this is probably a year later. A year later, we hook up again one night and we go back to my apartment and my roommate, Weecho, and his girlfriend, Alex, we, our rooms, there was a door uh -huh. that our beds were against that was the part of the wall that separated our rooms. Yeah. And so um, we go in, we start to have sex and I have an orgasm like within maybe... 10, 15 seconds. Oh, because we are so close. No, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. His touch. <laughs> it was, it was just. I just, I just, I hadn't had one of those sex. nights. I just. Well, no. It's not, by the way, it's pretty regular for <laughs> okay, me. Okay, Like that. Any time I had sex with them for the first time, it happened right away. Uh -huh. And by the way, I knew this person. I knew this person for a couple years. I mean, and I always hung out with her. We were really good friends. And uh, I have an orgasm really quick, and I start giggling, and she immediately gets angry. I mean, we might have been doing coke, and she goes, uh, she goes, "Are you fucking serious?" And She's I go, mad at you. What can you do? And I go, I'm sorry. And she goes, Are you fucking serious? And I was like, I'm like, Hey, in my head, I'm about to say, Calm down. We're gonna yeah. do this again. Right. Just give me a second, and we'll go back at it. Right. Like, I'm not done. And she was like, Fucking bullshit. Fucking bu like really angry. And I'm like, Hey, for real, you gotta calm down. This is gonna happen again. And she goes, You. I remember her saying this. You need to read a book. Or get online and learn how to fuck. And I went, Jesus and I, Christ, brutal. And I was like, I was like, hey, I go, don't talk to me like that. Like, 
And I remember saying, you're not my girlfriend. Like, I'm not your boyfriend. You can't treat someone like that. That's that you, crazy. That you, like, we're friends. And she's like, this is fucking ridiculous. I can't believe I missed the fucking train and I fucking came over here and, and we didn't even party. We just came in here. It's like, by the way, it's like probably three in the morning, four in the morning. And she's like, this is fucking ridiculous. You better fuck me again. And I go, I'm not fucking. Oh, yeah. And I go, as a matter of fact. Oh, this date ended a while ago. I go, yeah, I go, as a matter of fact, you're going home. Yeah. And she goes, I'm not going fucking home. And I go, you are. Because listen, I have two roommates in there that have to work tomorrow. And you're being rude and disrespectful. And I don't want to fucking talk to you like this. And I, by the way, still have the condom on. I'm not standing uh, up. <laughs> semen in the a condom. Full, nice full bunch. Semen. Like, a, like, like a heavy diaper right now it is. I, and I go, uh, get your shit together. And now she starts kicking the walls and the door, like waking them up. I said, get your shit together and you're leaving. And I walked into the kitchen. I go in, I grab a a Budweiser and I sit up my butt against the sink. I'm still naked. The condom's still on? Condom's still on. My buddy Weecho walks out. What's up, Weecho? Sees me. It's four in the morning. Sees me. And I go, she'll be gone in a second. And he's like, okay. Walks back into the room. She walks out and she's got all her clothes on. She's like, I can't believe this is fucking happening. I can't believe you're making me go get a taxi at four in the fucking morning. I go, it didn't have to be this way. And she goes, you cannot fuck for shit. And I go, you're totally right. And I start walking her to the door. I open the door. She walks to the threshold of the door. She goes, this is fucking ridiculous. Am I really going home? And I go, yeah. She goes, you didn't fuck me at all. And I have to go home. You have the fucking weak ass fuck. And I have to go home and I start giggling. And I go, you know what though? I came and you didn't. And I go, I win. And she looks at me and goes to throw a punch and goes, and stops like a flinch. I go, and I go, and the beer splatters all over me. My dick with the condom goes up in the air and we both start laughing hysterically. Both of us are then immediately friends. I go, fuck off. And I shut the door in her face. That's amazing. And then she, and then she went, I was on the sixth floor. She went down the stairs, hitting every door going, Bert Kreischer can't fuck. Oh my God. Bert Kreischer can't fuck. And I was in the in, on Cornelia Street, right in front of Poe, yelling, Bert Kreischer can't fuck. And I was like, oh my God. I told Tony Woods that story. And Tony Woods is like, don't ever tell anyone that story again. That's a great story. But it was at that moment where she went to throw a punch. That's very funny. And I, we, I flinched so hard and she saw me. That reminded me of a story. Should we keep doing yeah, this? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great podcast, by the way. You were my- Story toppers? <laughs> yeah. I just won't top that because that's, oh man, that's good. I love that. Um, but it's, no, it's not as good as, it's not as good as the guy and I'm going to tell him you don't understand the plot of Midnight Cowboy. Well, that's the best line yeah. of these two stories. But your story, I mean, the, the idea of you with a full condom on with beer splurting on your... I mean, there's a lot going on there. All yeah. right. Okay. When I first one of the, when I first moved to L.A., uh, I hooked up with this girl, this like real intense, uh, like goth kind of looking girl. Like, I'd imagine how, you'd have a boatload of those in your life. Oh, I have. I had a lot of fun. Uh, but this was like a Hollywood kind of glam rock kind of, uh, you know, like Hollywood, uh, Hollywood Boulevard type of like lady, you know, tragic drug person. Yeah. I'm a sober dude, but I'm just like, this girl's so hot. Yeah, let's do it. So we go home and she is um, making out or whatever. And I'm smoking, uh, smoking clove cigarettes at the time because uh, I'm with a goth girl, I guess. And she's like, yeah, yeah, put that out on me. And I'm like, 
oh, I, 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 I don't, I mean, I'm into some freak, I'm not trying to like actually, she's like, come on, put it out on me. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 oh, no, I'm not. And I, so I, I kind of like kind of play the game. I'm like, kind of like, you know, teasing it at yeah. her, but I'm not going to like fucking stub a cigarette out on this chick. Like that's not, that's going a little far. And we keep kind of hooking up and she's like, she's like, all right, I want you to spank me. And I'm like, oh, no problem. And she's like, no, I want you to like, it's getting to an area where I'm like, I'm a freak, but this is, we're getting, we're going to a, a I'm getting uncomfortable here. And she's, she's, um, she's hooking up with me and she's, she kind of like, it's going down on me a little bit and it's like, ow, 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 stop, stop. And she's like, what, what? I'm like, that fucking, that hurts. Whatever you're doing to my balls is like, it's painful. And she's like, I'm, it's painful. I'm sting. I'm in the band <laughs> called the police. And, um, and she's like, oh, whatever. And then she keeps doing it and she keeps like hurting me. And I finally, I look down at my balls and she's like biting them and stuff. And I look down and it's a fucking, there's like a contusion, like a, a, bl a blister, a big Yeah, bold. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, and she, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't me that looked down. She looks down and she sees this like contusion looking thing on my balls. And she goes, what is this in that way that like, if you had an STD, that would be what the person would say. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? You, you've been assaulting me. You've been chewing on me. You think this is somehow I'm dirty and brought this to the table. You've been like uh, vampirically like hurting me and like, whatever night night over and, and and we end it and she call she like texts me the next day or calls me the next day is texting and she's like oh that was fun i'd like to do it again and i go i go look i um i had fun too but you know i just feel like maybe like the the physical pain stuff like i think maybe you play a little harder than i want to and like i just um i don't know if i can do that again that that level of like physical pain and she's like okay then cool we won't hang out no like i'm gonna dial it back no like oh it's not oh, a problem we yeah. can it was like if you're not there to get your balls fucking hurt and contused and hit me and put out cigarette back butts on my back it ain't happening again chump motion casher oh. can't fuck <laughs> i can't i can't Oh, I have nothing even remotely close to that. I I'm so tame sexually. Is that true? Oh, 100%. Well, I mean, by the way, that's not a story about me being a freak. That's a story about no, me no. meeting a freak. No, but I, I mean, all my I've only had six partners. No. Yeah, and that girl, that one night stands, one of them. Whoa, you've had six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just oh, never. Oh, my God. I have a problem. I have a problem turning it off. So, like, I like I get you into the, my bedroom. Yeah. And I could hang out, but I can't, I you can't fall switch the switch it over what do you mean you fall like, in love easily no. oh i fall in love very easily oh, very very easily yeah and um but i have a hard time um turning into sexy guy uh-huh like it's because it's not natural to me right i don't know if i was like i don't i don't i i mean i know that you would definitely know but i don't think i was like a, molested or anything or i don't know but something happened to me as a child where being serious wasn't like rewarded or something uh-huh because i have a hard time being like I, I i dated a couple girls dated them this is gonna sound really fucking bad i dated two girls i can think of that i never kissed shut up that i dated and then i didn't kiss on the first night because that's not who i am yeah and the second night it didn't happen by the third night now the pressure's on that didn't happen because i could fucking started freaking out and i got too drunk fourth night i'm like fuck i don't even know what this is fifth night we're going to a date function and that doesn't happen there and then and then all of a sudden i'm like seven dates in 
and I haven't kissed him, and I'm like, I got to break up with him. Oh, you don't mean you had sex and didn't kiss him. You mean you guys never, never even got even, to a kiss. Because I couldn't. The first kiss for me was such a fucking mountain to climb. Uh-huh. To, to, to shut down and be like... Right, because you'll come immediately when you kiss a woman. Yeah, right. I mean, that's you. You'll you'll have a condom full of Bert. Dude, I had a girl in high school one time. This was like a story I shared with my friends, which is uh-huh. a big fucking mistake. I had a girl in high school one time. In high school, I think I was a pretty good first kisser. Yeah, I think I was. I was good at that. I think so. I probably I'm gonna made go ahead a lot and weigh in and say probably not. No, no, no. Here's the thing: my first sexual experience was really traumatic. Not, oh really? Like, but not not like traumatic, traumatic like anyone who had trauma in their life. But I, I did. I just didn't I get do it. it humiliating right. or humiliating. something. Yeah, I just right, didn't do it sure. right, and I fucked up. And and then I, all of a sudden I started regressing. Like like I don't want to. And then I had a girlfriend for like five. And then right after that I had a girlfriend for five years. She slept with my best friend. And then I had that's when I, after that point is when I dated a couple girls and I didn't even kiss them. That's intense. I mean, dude I, had like really great dates. There was this one girl came part over my house and we painted pictures together and we drank red wine and we hung out on the roof. Everything was there and I just couldn't pull the trigger. It is hard that first moment of like we're going from not physical to physical. It's a trip though. You were, were so the opposite, you know, because I immediately just assumed you were thinking like I had a couple of girls that I slept with but never kissed because I have so many people in my life and I, I mean so many who... I could see them in the room. I could be podcasting with them right now that I have had sex with that I wouldn't know who I would not know who they were. I can Are you serious? 100%. I mean, so many might have been an exaggeration. Definitely at least 10 people. I could be I could have them in the room with me and just like I literally there's no possibility that I would know who they were. Really? Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely, and a bigger na- number, a much bigger number of people who I don't know their name. I mean, I just have no idea what they're. I mean, I would recognize them vaguely, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." But I mean, <laughs> what a great, what a great TV show! <laughs> have you had sex with this person? That is funny. It's like a panel of three, and they bring they bring out they bring out ten people, and if you can guess. All the people you've had sex with, you win a million dollars. That's very funny. And they just bring out bros, like hardcore bros. They're like, bring out Johnny. Johnny, you fuck tons of chicks. I bang pussy, son. And they're like, really? All right. What about this person? And you do it at spring break. You do it like as an MTV show. That's very funny. And they bring up all the people he's had sex with. almost is an MTV show. It seems like it would be. Yeah, it seems like it definitely could be. Copywritten by Moshe and Bert right now. Um, I would love to, by the way, I would... I would probably drop my touring to produce that show. Do you know how much fun that show would be? It would be so insane. I mean, the problem is you would have to get people. You have to find enough people that are like horrifying sluts that they've forgotten people. It's, got, it's all with. guys. Yeah, right. It's all guys. You can't. You, right. The, 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 yeah, right. The gender dynamics would be a little weird if it's like a girl is like, I think I did fuck you in a blackout. <laughs> it's like, uh, this got creepy quick. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be all guys. But yeah. So how could you like. How, oh, this is my biggest question. How did you have sex sober? That's such a disturbing question, Bert. That is hilarious that you don't even know how. I, I don't think, I mean, I, that's I, a, that is a not a question that you should ask. I mean, that should be a question on the Alcoholics Anonymous pamphlet. Have you ever said to yourself, how could someone have sex sober? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Most, With a stranger? I mean, that's funny. I've only had sex sober. I had sex one time before I stopped drinking. Really? And I was, you know, uh, 
uh, 15. How old were you when you lost your virginity? 17. Okay, yeah, normal age. I guess yeah. I was 15. It's not crazy. That's not but bad. um but then I got sober after that and I every single sexual experience I've ever had has been has been as a sober person. But I was really? also like really into raves when I was in in a young person like I was about 16 years old I started going to raves very very heavily like uh sober but yeah. was like super in that scene like like every weekend you know that was my whole world and that was like this strange world of free love that i like stumbled into uh you know like you read my books so you know like when i was a young when i was even younger than that when i was 15 i like thought of myself as this kind of um i was like a little like a white wannabe like horrible yeah. gross white rappery kind of person and uh like just the worst kind of little shithead that you could ever meet ever and uh then i got sober and I had to kind of leave those dudes. Like you're talking about, like there's a certain mentality of some of the guys, some of the people I grew up with are lovely people now, but some of them are like, you know, prison-y kind of just whatever. Just, I had to just leave it behind. I also had to leave the music behind of like, cause I was like a gangster rap guy growing up. And yeah. so I stumbled into this at about nine months over the rave world. And it was just such a loving, like free love, we all have sex with each other, we hug, we don't like, nobody's a thug here, nobody wants to be a thug, and it was just like this really transformative experience where I like, I became softer as a person, I became like, I became more this person than I was that, the person that is here now is more, much more influenced by that scene than it was by the drug stuff that happened before. That's so interesting, keep going. It's weird, right, because it was a drug world, everybody <laughs> yeah. was on drugs but me, I mean everybody, and I was pretty much the youngest person there, and it's not like it's an old scene, but it was like people were 18 18, 19, 20, and I was 16, and um, I just, I found this thing, I mean, I have like a theory about it that's a little more sincere, um, which is that like, when I was growing up, I was in so much, um, I, I was so so frightened and so alone and so isolated by my circumstances, you know, like only white kid in black schools, only hearing kid in deaf family, only, you know, I mean, these re, only sane person in mental hospitals, you know, there all this kind of thing, like where I just was like so isolated and alone that I became, you know, the people that I found were other kids that were just like that, you know, that's the, the most typical story of a, of a wayward youth possible. It's like you feel alone, so you find a gang of kids that are also alone and you stop being alone together, but usually through a really toxic kind of like gross form of like machismo and violence and yeah there's a ton of that in my in my in my early childhood um and which is where old mosh comes from you know old yeah. mosh is really just like the last wisps the fumes of whatever terrible traumatic lessons i learned when i was a kid going like that's what i'm saying i become yeah. that's what i mean when i say i'm from oakland is a marker that like i've regressed to a 12 year old i mean i'm aware of how i look i'm aware i'm not a tough guy I, I get it, yeah. but there's some little part way back in the fucking muscle memory, muscle memory where oh, oh son, this is like yeah. nobody cares. <laughs> so I go to the rave scene, and all of a sudden, I think of it like a pendulum, right? Like it was all the way in this like disgusting world of like gangster rap is all I listened to. West Coast gangster rap, never loved a hoe, never would. Oh, Dito, you know you got to bust a nut and bounce. I'm yeah. 15. I've never had sex. You're like Casper from Kids. Exactly. Kids was like watching i didn't even enjoy it as a film because it felt like i was watching my i swear to For god real i felt like i was watching my childhood it was just like except that they were like more sexual and the things they were doing were kind of cooler they were they were yeah. going to raves you know because it's new york city and not oakland but i swear to god it felt like i'm just watching me and my friends growing up um 
So then I go to the rave scene. I'm all the way over here on this pendulum of like, uh, you know, this sort of toxic form of like, you know, masculinity and uh, in, in a bad way. I like masculinity, but it's this form is like filled with violence and filled with grossness. And, and then I found the rave scene where the whole thing, I don't know if you've you ever been to a... Yeah, of uh, course, yeah. You know, the whole idea is like, it's very interesting. It's like the men are very feminized right like if you're a raver not if you're a dude going to a rave but if you like get into the scene like all the men become very feminine you know you wear especially at the time in the early 90s it was not it was not as mainstream so it was like there was you know it's more of an underground scene where the guys would wear glitter in their hair they would you know they put barrettes in their hair they would they would do these like very feminine and more to the point very childish like very baby like binkies binky straight up pacifiers because they're on ecstasy i by the way had a pacifier never did ecstasy to see the only reason i have a pacifier in the rave scene is to like not grind your teeth i did it because i thought it was cool so oh my god fyi um so that a very infantilized version and and like in a way it's kind of silly you know like i would see people from the old days or my brother or people that knew me and they're just like what are you doing i'm like all of a sudden i go from this like wayward rehab kid to like bleach blonde hair barrettes in my hair glitter i was that that really and you know, I got got these dudes coming. I remember very clearly my friend Joey, who's uh, passed away actually due to the, some of the insanity of that old lifestyle. He's dead now, but he came up to me. He goes, I was working uh, on Telegraph Avenue by UC Berkeley campus in a bear costume. This was my job. I was a mascot and I was passing out flyers in front of this store called Bear Basics. And I'd go to a rave all night and then I would go like cracked out and put this bear costume on and pass out flyers. And I was smoking. I was a smoker. I would take my helmet off and I would be smoking. Little kids would walk by with like a mascot. With <laughs> They'd be like, why is this bear smoking? I'm like, I'm smoking the bear, kid. Walk on. And Joey comes up to me. He goes, hey, blood. Man, blood. Hey, fools are saying you gay, blood. They're saying you gay. <laughs> hey, you want me to beat their ass? He's. Do you want me to beat them up? Yeah. Because And I'm just like, I'm in this other world. I'm like, no, everything is good. I'm like, Joey, yeah. come on. Who cares if I am? Um, but I think of it like I was a pe- in this pendulum of like the gross version of, of who I was. And I needed to go all the way over into this cartoon version of like, you know, bitch boy, you know, of like, yeah. of like child and glitter boy. And like, in order to finally, as an adult, come back to like, it's all trauma swings, you know, that's interesting. I wonder if everyone deals with that in some, ver- it's probably usually not that like insane, a stark dichotomy of like, you know, want to be gangster into like, you know, candy raver, but that's literally was the swing, the cultural swing that I went through. And, uh, and what I found there in the rave scene was like, you know, a lot of like warm kind of lovingness and also tons of sex and sexuality, tons of everybody fucked everybody in the rave scene. So by the time when I was 16 and I first started going to raves, it was just like, Oh my God, like I can fuck anybody. Anybody can fuck. I mean, I'm talking like insane like the the amount of sexuality that uh, that happened when i got to that scene was like a fucking deluge like you could fuck anybody see that was not the rave scene in tallahassee is that right i'm sure it was you would go to these you would go to these clubs that were open late and you i mean we were frat boys we were legit frat boys this by the way this is the early 90s like and no offense to frat boys everywhere they weren't even up on it there would be no frat boy yeah. there, not because they wouldn't be allowed anybody could go they never would have even heard about it well raving so when i got to tallahassee in 91 uh ecstasy was still legal uh-huh um, oh wow yeah right right and interesting so it was it was legal in the let me, let me rephrase that it was it was legal in the 
when we had gotten there, they had stories of it being legal, uh-huh. of them being able to give MDNA uh, to people at this club called Floyd's, maybe. Uh huh. And so they had this chair where they'd give it to you in it. And then, <laughs> really, that's very funny. We were like, I was like, whoa, and I, and there was there was talk about it, but no one knew what it was. We were all weed. Um, mushrooms that was uh-huh. like our big thing mushrooms were super easy to get in Tallahassee because it rained once it rained everyone oh, got that's mushrooms really, oh because it's all marshy and, and stuff it's all in cows. oh yeah. that's interesting it was mushrooms were insanely easy to get in Tallahassee it's interesting that you were so experimental with drugs and not with sex that's, that's kind of interesting never, I'm still not experimental with drugs is that right okay I had a couple bad I was when I was really really young and then I had a couple bad experiences with just with weed yeah where I had panic attacks and spun out Two back to back. Uh huh. And after that, I was like, I'm done with weed. Stopped smoking weed when I was, I guess the first one was probably when I was 16. Second one was when I was 16. Didn't smoke weed again until I got to college. And I got to college. I met this really fucking amazing chick. Once again, didn't hook up with her, but a really awesome chick. And we did whippets all day in a grocery store whippets are fun and uh, not even whippets we were just doing the the fucking Uh, through the whipped cream (gasps) yeah Yeah. (laughs) and um and we're walking up and down the grocery store doing those and then i smoked weed with her and i had a good time and so i was always cautious with weed i was always cautious with weed or with anything i mean i i tell i might i might tell this joke in the story in my hour but when i my advice to my kids would be when it comes to drugs just take half like don't uh-huh. you don't need to overdo it. Like just wait, see if you like it. Have I told you my out. entrepreneur idea? No. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> I have two drug entrepreneur ideas for the recently legalized marijuana world. One is called uh, one dose brownies, and it's a brownie that you eat the whole brownie, and that's the amount that it takes to get you high. Not like you pack in like a ninety seventh yes. of a brownie, and you're like, I'll try that, and then wait. How about make? I'm gonna make brownie pop brownies. Then I'm gonna cut. A square out of the brownie, connect it to a regular brownie. So yeah. just, and then you just say, "Eat the brownie, get high." That's our motto. One dose brownies. Eat the brownie, get high. Here's the problem. What's the what's the dosage on that? That is one. No, one dose, one brownie. No, but what's the dose? How many milligrams of marijuana? I'm gonna be honest with you. I know very little about marijuana dosage, okay. and I am not an entrepreneur, and this probably isn't going anywhere. No, but here's the brilliant thing about that is that I, I as a a pot smoker edibles scare me i have right i've got to do a podcast tonight at like six o'clock with uh with josh uh it's not even a podcast it's called a twitch mm-hmm. i don't know i don't really understand oh you playing video games yeah i guess oh cool and, and, but we get high and i'm sick and so i'm who, like I'm who josh wolf oh okay and um I, i'm he wants to get high and drunk and i'm like oh, i'm sick i was like and i have these edibles and they're these little blueberries and each serving is two milligrams and in my head I know Joey takes a thousand milligrams. So Joey like Diaz. Diaz, but I would, I would gladly, you could sell me two milligrams of THC for the same price you sell Joey five hundred milligrams of THC. Yeah, because I would gladly. You need a Burt dose. Yeah, I would gladly get the one that works for me. Yeah, and pay the exact same price as the one that works for that guy. That's not a bad idea, Chelsea. Clinton, Chelsea Handler. By the way, who I, I make a joke about my special, but I really do love her. I really do. What's the joke? Oh, you don't want to say yet? No, I think I call her cunt. But, <laughs> I, but it's not. <clears throat> but I, but it's a joke. It's just a. It's. But I, I don't mean it. But whatever. whatever. It was just. I, I heard she's difficult to work with. <laughs> okay. 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 But I love Chelsea Handler. I don't know her at all. I don't even never even met her. But I follow her on Instagram. I love her. She's coming out with a weed where it just gets you high enough to take the edge off the day. 
Well, that's my other idea. It's not quite that, but it's very similar. It's um, it's weed that they. By the way, I don't know if this is possible. It's where they start making a strain of weed that is um, so mellow, not just high wise, but also inhaling wise, that you can smoke twenty of them a day, oh. and they're for people trying to quit smoking cigarettes. That's and so you just smoke. It's called twenty joints a day. Eat oh. the whole brownie. Uh, no, and that's my other idea. Is is the quitting smoking the pot smoker's guide to quitting smoking? I I'm telling you when I say this, I uh, those are not bad ideas. Like thank imp- you, you're the, the first person to tell me that. Yeah, but I have a lot of really bad ideas. Yeah, most I'm looking people for, tell me I'm they looking, are bad. I'm looking for a low grade tea infused uh, cocaine infused tea. Hilarious, because I I really want cocaine was probably one of the most enjoyable feelings I've ever had in my life. What about that? Um, those leaves that the natives... Cocoa chew? leaves? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. You hook me up. Well, what, I mean, what do you mean hook I would, you up? Like, I, I don't... Oh, I nobody sells... Because by the time they get anywhere here, it's coke. Yeah, no one's no one's moving the leaves. Right, it's right, just right, as illegal right. as the cocaine. So go, go to South America on a trip. I would love to. I Dude, would don't love the, Don't that. people down there just chew on those leaves all the time? Yeah, all day long. Yeah. I watched a documentary on Netflix, oddly enough, about making cocaine, and I was fascinated by how to make it. That would be something that, like, uh, I would enjoy as a hobby is making cocaine. Um, but, but, but what, <laughs> what a was weird hobby? I, I'm going through today. I was like, today I'm in this place in the business where I'm like a little, not a little lost, but I just like things get very complicated. I think at certain, I'm sure you know that at certain levels of your career, things get more and more complicated. Sure, and you have less people that you trust and less people that you can confide in and less people that and then you feel more alone and and for sure today i was walk i was going for a run i saw a guy building a fence and i thought very candidly i thought he's how great is that like i wish i had that simplicity in my life where i just knew today i'm building a fucking fence meanwhile that dude's like i got a fucking development deal at abc cling cling i'm building this fence to try to get me away from my hollywood dreams cling well i i i thought that at the beginning of my jog, I see him building the fence. Yeah. And I'm like, it's got to be great. No notes. No right. fucking agents. No managers. I just go in. I got the goods. I build the fence. I come home. I look at done at the end of the day. Looks good. Beers. And I'm not up at night thinking about that fence. I Yep. It's like, uh, and no more, beyond the notes, it's like, it's this hedonic treadmill. By the way, I'm looking at a treadmill as I say that. Yeah. Of ego. That's the real problem. Dude, I'm having a hard time with Instagram stories right now because... Everything is subliminal branding. I, I can't. Everything is me trying to put my best foot forward. Mm-hmm. It's me. Like I did. A, right. I, I did a hashtag today subliminal branding because I did a video of me, um, making my daughter's breakfast, which I never fucking do. Yeah, I never right. get up early and make my daughter's breakfast and l- pack her lunches and get them to school. But I do a video of it, and in the middle of doing the video, I go, "This is bullshit. This is not who I am." Like I should give my phone to my daughters. And have them go, uh, dad woke up early and took NyQuil. He's back in bed. Uh-huh. Like, And so I'm having a heart. Like on my jog, I was like, I should v- record this jog? Why? Like what? what is interesting about my jog? Like it's interesting when I see other people do it. Like I know that when I watch Cameron Haynes go for a run and go like, it's a beautiful day. It inspires me, right? I'm not inspiring shit. Like I'm not, no one looks at me. They're just going, oh, Bert wants us to know that, yeah, he drinks a lot, but he's still healthy. You know what? That's so funny you say that because, I mean, look, I mean, whatever. I'm over here watching you as a friend and yeah. as just a peer. I'm like, oh, Bert's got this like great kind of like vibe of like whipping his fan base into like 
you know, fault. Not, I'm not necessarily that I think like, oh, they're running the LA Marathon too, but like just this kind of like, like I said, this community that you've created around you yeah. and your fans and stuff like that, which I'm like, yeah, I'm slightly jealous of. Like, I like that idea of like the, but I under, but it's funny to hear you talk about it. Like, you're just trying to keep up with your own egos, Joneses in the exact yeah. same way. I did a thing. I turned my mentions off on everything a long time ago. I turned my mentions off on Twitter like two, two years ago. I haven't seen a mention in, in forever. I it's, turned off, keep going on this. I'm not, I don't mean to cut no, you please. off, but I turned off all my notifications on my phone. Oh yeah. That's why I didn't get your text about my address until like 15 minutes later. Cause I was in the pool and I just, and I, I and it made my life amazing oh my god no notifications oh my god keep going turn about off mentions the, turn off the mentions it's like you level up i i don't know about you i leveled up on a, a, like like 90 degrees of happiness you know i mean i would be in i would be and the other thing i stopped doing this is interesting and this is all natasha she gets full credit for this is uh i stopped penetrating her she started penetrating me and that's been really nice no the other <laughs> thing i stopped doing was um was I used to think it was a part of my brand or whatever to get into it with people online. You know, God, like yeah. that was part of my brand is I would go back and forth with you. I would clown you. You know, you're up against a professional, you know, and you just like retweet them and go to war with people. And uh, two things happened. One is, well, first of all, Trump got elected and the, the tone switched. Yeah. Uh, and I don't blame Trump for that, but I blame like the, the toxicity of what happened to this country politically, like made the tone shift to it. It was like, you're a bitch. I hate you. It turned into, I know you live in LA. I know where you and your wife live. I'm going to find you. Yeah. From like, I go back and forth. Ha ha. I'm a professional. I'm going to find you. And then it's like, Oh, you definitely win. Yeah. You know, when you're saying I'm going to find you, like you've won the Jimmy Kimmel just fucking quit yeah. that fight. He was like, nah, you're threatening my kids. I'm over. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Exactly. Exactly. I would so much rather be someone's someone thinking like I just turned that dude into a bitch than have that guy show up at my, not that it probably would happen, but it's just like when I start thinking, do I want to buy a German shepherd or a gun? It's like, because of what? Cause I'm like, my brand is argument. So the I, other you just saw my dog and I just bought two guns. Yeah, no, it's fucking, fucking scary. That fucking exact reason of like of like you don't. There are people that resent. I don't. I don't mean to cut you off. because no, I, I want to hear what please. you have to say. But there's people that don't like what you put out. Just it, even me, like even me. I'm not. I don't talk shit. I don't. I'm not political. I have a good time. I like to drink. I like to fucking challenge myself. Run a marathon. Right. Do the tough mutter. Do the Spartan race next weekend. But there are people that that makes them angry yeah and so still i'm like fuck it there's a gun in the house babe if i'm not here you fucking kill them yeah and there's i got that dog that dog was my that my one dog sleeps in the bed with my uh, oldest daughter my other dog sleeps in the bed with my youngest daughter and i get it good. dude i mean i really do get it and like we're vulnerable yeah. i don't even want to talk about this but we're vulnerable in a way that most entertainers really are because you don't know that someone knows you yeah i saw brent morin yesterday walking the street walking across the street brent morin's a comic I've known for fucking five years. I saw him walk across the street and I just didn't recognize him. I wasn't paying attention and he touched me. Yeah. And I went, oh my God. Like, yeah. And I didn't know it was him. Right. And I thought, oh my God. And then I realized it was him. I called him and he was like, yeah, it was me, asshole. That's you were going to say, you were saying you were, you were about Oh, the replying. second thing. Yeah, the second thing. So that that happened. Yeah. I, I started to notice that like the interactions were getting a little more intense and way more intense than they weren't. It wasn't, like I had a hate mail section on my website. I'm telling you, it was like, I thought it was like a part of who I was. Mm -hmm. But once it got into this zone of like feeling scared, like literally, I was like, I don't have any time for that. But the other thing was Natasha started pointing out that like 
I would start a, an argument with someone thinking like, oh, this is my brand. I'm having a good time. I started at like 10 in the morning all day. I'd be replying to some fucking freak in some like the middle of nowhere who's having a great time going back and forth with a comedian that he likes and or hates, which by the way, we've all had that too. It was like, yeah. you bitch, you bitch, you bitch. And then you're like, fuck you. And they're like, dude, I'm a big fan. What happened? Yeah. But more to the point, I'm just like wasting my life away with these with these strangers on on like so I stopped commenting. So that I turned my notifications all the way off and Natasha pointed out like you're wasting your life away and I heard her or heard that as the truth and I stopped I haven't responded to an inter- a comment on the internet that wasn't like fun or a friend in a long time. I feel so much freer, oh. so much better. Like just I can't even it, there's no comparison. Someone someone introduced me to, someone was like, um, Ari uh, has sex with chicks that he meets on Instagram. Uh-huh, right. So if you're a chick and you think Ari's attractive, you he can have sex with you. them. Yeah. You just got to find him, hit him up on Instagram and yep. DMs. Yeah. And I'm like- DM Ari. So part of me, like, he told me this, and I know I'm married. I know that people know I'm married. But part of me was a little like, like uh, I can't believe like no one tries to fuck me. Like, uh-huh. that no uh-huh. one like sends me nude pics. He just gets nude pics all the time. Uh-huh. And I said something about that, and then someone that I knew direct mess, someone texted me and go, bro, <coughs> you don't reply to them. I go, what? And then I think I saw that person that night, and they were like, this is where those direct messages are. And I went, yeah, but I only got eight. And they're like, that, that's all the people you know. They're like, look. And then it said 99 plus. <laughs> and they were like, those are all the people that you don't know. And I hit it, and there were thousands. And I went... I wish you had never shown me that. I hear you. And yeah. and now I just can't like I I can't look at them because I don't want to I don't want to welcome that in my life. Uh yeah. Yeah, you could have your producer go in once a month and delete them all permanently. My wife gets my wife gets reads my fan mail. Uh-huh. Like the stuff that comes through my website and uh she goes, "You don't get a lot of negative ones." I go, "Hold on, I get negative ones?" She's like, "Oh, of course." And I was like, wait, I get, I didn't need to know that. Uh, exactly. Well, that's what I was going to tell you is I've turned off all my mentions. Two years ago, I turned them off, you know, and uh, because we, when my show came out, there was a video that like just really caught oh, the ire. I'm so glad you reminded me of this. Who like caught the ire of the alt-right and they really like came after us. And I was just like, you know, I'm like, I, I, I'm thin skinned. I can't deal. Even if it's somebody I don't really like care about or respect, if you're hating on me, it's going to affect me. So I just turned off everything. Right. Yeah. And then it was great. Actually, I just really like was enjoying my life and able to enjoy my life. Then yesterday the special came out and Natasha was like, well, maybe you should undo the, you know, the turn the mentions back on so you can like fave tweets and stuff like that. By the way, the response to the special so far, it's, it's, it's early days has been so awesome i mean everybody fucking it's just been great like people have been our dimensions were filled with just love and positivity and people love in the special and then like you said one one i'm talking like hundreds and hundreds of like this is awesome i love this so much and i'm scrolling through the awesome like cool 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 i don't get that's what's really fucked up about the ego is the positivity doesn't outweigh it's like a bomb when you when you bomb on stage like yeah, a, a great set feels good, but it's not like it feels as good as a bad set feels bad. A bad, bad set, one will really make you question, yes. am I doing this for a living yes, for real? You exactly. can make a million dollars a year. Tom, I'm sharing this with Tom 
is one of the most successful comics that I know in this business right now. He had a bad set in Atlanta and called me the next day and he's like, I don't know what's going on with my career. Yes. Like, it really makes you question Absolutely. everything. And you can be the biggest comic, but a bad set, you're like, fuck. Yeah, and it's not like, then you gotta get a good set. And if you get a good set, it's not like you then are like, actually, I'm the king of the world. Then you're like, okay, I'm back to normal. I'm back to normal. <laughs> I need a few of these. I need a, a string of these. Yeah, dude, when I was, <laughs> speaking of promiscuity, uh, when I was single and I would have a bad set, I remember this very viscerally because like, by the way, the comedy store used to be like late at night. I think you had, you did you leave when Rogan left or were no, you? No, no, no. I never. You were Tommy, always around. Tom, no, Tommy, I was never there. Oh, you weren't I there just, because Tommy didn't pass I you. just showed up when, when Adam was there, I got passed. In the Tommy days, uh, and I'm not old school comedy store. I'm like literally the slice of pie between Mitzi and uh, doing like the passing people and then Adam passing pe- people. Okay. So like the, the like little slice in there. I don't know how long that was to be honest with you. I was there. I was there right before Mitzi left. I was there right before Mitzi left and I auditioned in front of Mitzi. I never did. I never even met her. That's why I oh, felt, yeah. you know, I love the comedy store so much and it's like my yeah. home club here in LA. But, and I wanted to like tweet about, but I don't, I hate people that when they're jockey, you know, you're trauma jockeying or like, yeah, I didn't know Mitzi, but, yeah. so I didn't have anything to say. Other I just, than, all I said was, uh, she was, I, I, cause I, I put out a tweet because Paulie had, um, someone said, Hey Bert, you know, Mitzi passed or like someone, a fan and Paulie had favorited it and said, you know, Hey guys, share you right. know, your thoughts. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I don't, I don't even really know Paulie. I know him, but I don't think he'd recognize me. Right. I think he'd be like, if someone was like, this is Bert, you remember? He'd be like, oh, okay, I know. I'm sure Paulie would recognize you. And so, but I, but I, he did lose his mom. Right. And it is the place I work. And I, and so I wrote some tweet about like, you know, which was all sincere is that she was a visionary. She was a mother. She's a great woman. Yep. Paulie, I'm sorry for your loss. That's yeah, all I wrote. That's but, what I tweeted yeah. too was just love, love to you, Paulie. Cause Paulie, I do know. Whatever. The point is, uh, the store there was a moment in the store right, really like right when i got past where the the odds on your set were like 70 30 like there's a 30 percent chance you're going to have a bad if you were going late especially yeah. there's 30 chance you're going to have like a bad to bad to like really bad to medi- mediocre to really bad set yeah like to the degree where like my manager would be like oh i want somebody to come out and see you you i know you're doing a spot at the store and i'm like no 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 we don't send people to the store yeah. also like a girl who would be like i will oh i want to come see you do come no 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 we don't do no no the weekend spots that's would be the good. laugh factory he'll see yeah, the laugh yeah, factory. yeah yeah exactly the weekend spots would be good but if you're doing like tuesday night at like 12 12 15 they didn't have two shows first of all so it would be like somebody had gotten here at the crowd got there at eight whoever's left at you know 12 15 are the people that are just too drunk to leave anyway whatever if i would have a bad set at the comedy store i would all the way home to be texting booty calls like it was pathological really like my brain my bomb brain was like you got to get laid and it'll take you out of this so i'd be like what's up you up sup you up sup you up and if i got i remember this very i was telling natasha about this the other day if i got to western which is like i'm home yeah and i had no one had texted me back (laughs) i would pull over at a winchell's there at western in santa monica and i would get like a old-fashioned buttermilk donut (laughs) if you can't get laid you might as well have a buttermilk donut dude i I had thought the other day, you had said something earlier that made me think of this. Yeah. And then I forgot it. And when you said that right then, I realized what it was. I, so I've been sick for, I was sick in Lexington. I flew home. I drank on Sunday, 
But I didn't, didn't drink Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, and I ran each day thinking like, fuck it, I can't lay in bed, it's killing me. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I woke up yesterday morning and I was or, and I was on my phone and I couldn't get off my phone. I couldn't I was I was like there's this thing called uh kook slams. Oh dude, kook slams, that's my shit. I oh, love, I kook, love slams. kook slams. You know I surf, right? Are you serious? Yeah. I used to surf. Really? I cannot surf anymore. Oh man, we should go I, surfing. I would love to go surfing. Dude, I will take any I'm so bad. You I'm, will not. I'm, 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 I used to be okay you'll probably be as good as i am now having been surfing actively for the last surfing. two years because i am so bad that with active like two or three times a week surfing yeah. although since the baby it's dropped a bit yeah. but uh that i bet we'd be equal but, I lo- but kook slams is like i wish mwah. if i was tosh i would open up my house for comics to grab boards i would i would find like a, a side path uh-huh. where they could oh, grab is he boards. right there i think he lives on malibu uh-huh like i think he goes out of his house and goes surfing every morning and comes home meditates daniel son if you're listening daniel let, let I, us in there's so much daniel i want out of your life uh, you've had a great By the success. Way, I, I need lo- you to share that. I love the idea of Daniel Tosh not only downloading th- this episode, but listening all the way to this point. Yeah. And and then being like, I'm opening up my house to these I people. wanted to throw a surprise party at his house because he just redid his house. Uh-huh. I wanted to throw a surprise party at his house where me, Bill Burr, Segura, Rogan, Stan Hope, Ari, Joey, everyone, a big group of comics yeah. and our families uh-huh. rented a bus, drove it out to Tosh's house, knocked on his door, uh, just like uh, summer rental, we've got coolers, we've got beach chairs, we've got sunscreen on our nose. Uh-huh. He opens the door and we're like, "Surprise! We're coming in. We're throwing a party." Is your he house. pretty? Is he very like se- like isolated as a person? No, no, no. I mean, he's I don't a, know. Him I very think he's well. a regular person. Actually, I don't know him at all. I met him once. I did his show. I did a little bit on his show many years ago, but I've never. I don't know him at all. He's a really. He's a regular. I mean, I don't know. I I know him. I I know him enough to like say hi and bullshit. Right. We were we were you know we hung out a couple times. But I do consider him a friend. I, he's a very sweet guy. And we spent a whole weekend together. And then after that, we tried to like hang out a couple times. And But he's a re- very regular guy. Yeah. But I would I would assume that he would be into... That, that, something like that would make him laugh. That's very funny. Um, And then everyone that knows him really well was like, no, that would not make him laugh. And that makes me think it would make him laugh even harder. <laughs> um, And I think also... You're that, the king of good <laughs> ideas though, right? Yeah. So... I, but Kook I, slams. I, I was I was on Kook Slams and I couldn't stop scrolling and watching him and watching him and watching him and watching him, and I, I said, "Come on, Bert, touch that X up there." I was on Instagram. I'm like, "Get out of here!" Touch that X. And I go and I hit the X, and then I thought, I, I I know we talked about this earlier, but I I've been talking about the positivity of phones. One of the positivities I see of phones is that, um, uh, my wife and I have a very happy relationship, and I think that is due in part to phones. Yeah, to, to the uh-huh. iPhone because we don't really have to hang out that much. We can just get on our phone. And so like there were a lot of girls that I'd date for two years and then I'd be like, I'm done with her because I had to talk to her. And so I'm looking at it from that perspective and I I want, I wonder if I could cut it all out. Like yeah, no I, phone, no cell phone, no yeah. cell phone, no booze, no caffeine. For forever? No, just for like, a while. And just get back to uh, Burt Kreischer at 13 years old. But you know what you got to do to do that? Is you got to like go away. You have to go to the woods. I really think we're all like, we all have to go to the woods. Like yeah. everybody, all the whole world, but also especially people like us who are like in this, like this battle with yourself as if you have decided that 
your that your Hollywood aspirations are like the most important thing in the universe. I mean, not you, me. I'm me, talking to, me, me too. And I just have to like get the fuck out. I have an RV, and I just have to like start it and drive into the woods. I'm, I was just telling Natasha this recently. Like, we, just, I have to leave. Like, I have to because if I'm not like physically in nature. What, there's something that happens to me and everybody I think that when you're physically in nature it's like you're drinking water and you didn't know you were thirsty it's just like I gotta get out of this that's a really great example that's a really great analogy because there's so many times you're like my back is hurting what the fuck's wrong with me and my wife would be like when was the last glass of water you had and I'd be like oh fucking Thursday yeah right yeah like water is my big thing lately because my back hurts and my wife's like you're dehydrated because uh-huh. you're partying like I, I'll party, I start partying on like Thursday morning at the airport. I'll get a cocktail, uh-huh. uh, cocktails on the plane, nap at the hotel, one show Thursday, drinks, <clears throat> right, press at Friday. If they have cocktails, we have cocktails, uh, sleep during the day, two shows. Oh, so drink. you're like on a, like a, a fun run every weekend you're on oh, the road. Every, the, the problem with me, the, the good thing about me and the problem with me, the, the thing I'm having a hard time getting out of my system, which I don't look, I'm not asking for help anybody. I'm not looking yeah. for anyone to give me. Now any you go into that direct message yeah. area on Instagram. They're just like, Bert, there's a helping hand here for you. Sometimes when you say stuff, honestly, people are like, bro, I know I know what you're saying. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. The good thing about me is that when I show up places, it's a party. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I am the reason <laughs> I learned this very early into having kids. If I went to the party, all the parents could drink. But if I wasn't at the party or if I wasn't drinking at the party, everyone got looked down on. Uh-huh. And so like I was the excuse for people to party. And then I'd radio, I'd come in and they'd be like, the second I got there, they start putting beers on the counter Funny. and everyone would have a beer. And they were like, birds here. It's our excuse. And I think it's an, it's, it's a blessing and a curse because you go to a club and, and, uh, and honestly, I don't, I don't, I said to Segura, Oh, what did I say to him yesterday? Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, I wish... I don't. I hope I don't have to say a comic's name. You're trying to figure out how to tell a story without saying a comic's name? We were saying... We were saying that we were talking about a comic who isn't technically that creative. Okay. And... Got some ideas already. Go ahead. And it's very uh, lowbrow. Um, I can't remember the name right now. You can't remember the name of the, of the comic of the comic we were talking about. Are you lying? I'm being dead serious. And I said to him, then I've lost my ideas. And I said to him, um, I guarantee you that that person thinks I do nothing but take my shirt off and drink Hilarious. alcohol. That's very funny. And and there, and he started laughing. He goes, Oh, I guarantee it. That's like, very funny. He, I guarantee you. They don't see like, I've had people say, to me like their slam on me is like all you do is get up on stage get drunk and tell the same story i go hold on one second i have i have told that same story a lot every show for the past fucking five years i close on that story yo you that's your free bird yeah that's my free bird i wish i had a free bird and, and by the way by the way let's just for one second and i and this is me tooting my own horn which i don't need to do which I'm, I'm confident in myself but let's just say that's a fucking 13 minute story not every comic can can go on stage and tell a 13 minute story to close their show it's a 13 fucking minute story i will let me just say this as a uh as a a, a card-carrying member of the alternative comedy community <laughs> no i'm just kidding but i will say that i think you are fully 
uh, within your rights, not only within your rights, you would be robbing your crowd if you didn't tell that story. Dude. It's like you're the one comedian who can get away with telling a 13-minute story at the end of your act for, if you want, for the rest of your career. Yeah. Because that's what people... Why would you not give people what they want? It's it's it It, without a question, made my career. Right. It, when that story popped, it changed so my life. Where was it? It was on uh, Facebook. It, it was just a, a clip on Facebook. I did it on... I, told I mean, I've on, seen the clip. I told her on Rogan the first time, uh-huh. and Rogan said... I mean, and you could argue that Joe's the person that changed the tra- trajectory of my career because he said, that's your song. That's your, your, your bit. That's your Hot Pockets? <laughs> that's your thing. He goes, you need to tell that on stage. I go, oh, it's not a stage story. He goes, no, no, no. You need to tell it on stage every night until <laughs> until it's good and oh, work so it on wasn't it. a stand-up bit no it was oh, it was a story i just told on radio i told uh-huh. on this podcast and he was like that's the best story i've ever heard and i was like yeah it's not a stand-up bit he goes no you can make it into one you that's just cool. have to work hard that's really cool and so that starting that weekend i was in columbus i told it every night on stage and it bombed did it really for a year and a half it bombed that's awesome and then i and then i figured a f- couple things out and then probably like two and a half years in I figured out the ending. Uh-huh. And once I got the ending, I had the confidence to tell the middle of it. And then I did it. So then I told it on my Showtime special. And, and that clip. And I put that clip. I thought everyone had seen it. Put it on Facebook just at the perfect time to put a clip up. Right. Randomly, December 27th. You and, know, I've gotten it forwarded to me from civilians. Oh, I've Who had, are not in my comedy life, really. Yeah. I mean, they know I'm a comedian. Yeah. But I don't even forward it directly. But like their wall comes up and they go, have you seen this clip? So yeah. I'm like, that's how you know. When it goes all the way through comedy around to people you don't know and then oh. back, that means it's a that's a viral clip. Dude, he, it, and then it blew up. It got like, it got, it, it initially it got like 30 million views from me, but then what happened is these other viral places yeah, yeah, would yeah. pull it, it and post it on them totally. and it would, you all of a sudden you notice a huge spike and they'd tag me in it and they'd get 40 million for them. Wow. And like 50 million for them and it just blew up and then and then I go to shows and now and I I say, I tell them, I, I go, you know, I'm doing a new hour material. I don't promote that. I think everyone knows that that's what I do. I'm doing my new hour. I do it at the end. I go, is there anything you guys want to hear because I've done I do an hour and mm-hmm. I do an hour 15 I do two man show right. so I got 15 minutes is there anything you want to hear and people call out a bunch of bits sometimes I'll tell two stories but I always end up telling the machine and as soon as I say it they go fucking nuts did you I was wondering this and I'm sure the answer is no I was just curious you didn't do it on the Netflix special no no it's an interesting story though I was thinking I was thinking on the way over Bert could actually in my opinion my comedy snobbery opinion although I'm not as big of a snob as some of my peers yeah. I was like, Burke could totally get away with that because just like I said, like that's a that's what people want on every platform. I thought Dude. he could do that. Nobody would hate, um, or I wouldn't hate. The uh, it's an interesting story that I'll tell you off air, but I will say that uh, during my special, they were calling out bits they'd already heard. Oh my god! Which is like it's so bizarre because part of you is like you heard it. So on my next tour, I'm I'm I I gotta figure out how to do it. on my next tour. I want to call it uh, the encore tour, and I want to tell a mashup closing bit that is the machine fight a bear, flying dildos, uh, and uh, and uh, and the Tracy Morgan story, like a, a com, like tell a story that encompasses. Oh, find a way to to do a story that's all of the stories. That's all the stories into one in an abstract <laughs> way, or that I don't know. I got to figure it out on stage. And I, I got an idea f- for a show. Yeah, that I want to do my next tour. 
but I, it's a similar creative challenge, which is I want to do, so I did this special with Natasha and this is like my most current half hour. I have another hour that I'm just like, I need to just write and record because it's the hour I was touring with. Bef- I went too long without doing a special. Yeah, I know that feeling. So I have an hour that's the hour before this half hour. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's stale, but it's good. It's good. It's good. It's but it's I just need to do it. Just tour it for like six months, exactly. and, you, and it's going to do be, another special yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. in a year or two. Anyway, but the tour that I would like to do, the next thing I'd like to do is I do like a lot of crowd work on the road, yeah. and the, what I want to do is a, a, a show called like Five Questions or Ten Questions, and it's basically the problem with crowd work. Uh, for from a permanent perspective is that it can often feel very temporary and in the room like it's the most magical thing in the world when you see it but it's like well i don't care what that guy does for a living i know it was fun there but how do you make it feel permanent so i want to do a show called 10 questions or five questions where i figure out the five or ten questions that are the most um the most fertile for a crowd to answer that aren't like what do you do for a living but are more like tell me about the most tell me about the most awkward sexual experience you ever had some version yeah. of that or tell me about the most like the closest near death experience you've ever had. where I t- ask the question 10 cr- 10 questions that's the hour and I get the an- I get the answer so it's a crowd work where the stories and the ideas are compelling enough that you can have a permanent crowd work special that won't feel like that's well, pretty brilliant if I can figure out those questions and it can work but that's what that's what I'm gearing towards for my next big touring thing is like because Todd Berry did a crowd work tour and there's been other crowd work tours also like uh I, I wanted to find an angle on a crowd work tour that felt more like some my own thing and i think that's what i want to do next that's a really great that's a really great that's a really great premise i i i <clears throat> i loved doing crowd work yeah and then i stopped um i stopped because it really was for me it really was an excuse to not write for me dude it is an absolute liability in terms of the desperate need to write because but yeah but but you can always i can always kill if i have 20 minutes of material i can headline any club yeah you know what i mean if i have 20 minutes of new material oh yeah 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 i'm good because i the less jokes i tell at a a live gig the more fun i'm having and the the more more fun fun the crowd's having having. dude i i said uh a new bit i'm working on is uh uh, Isla had her uh, my youngest had her period uh-huh. and so we had a period party uh-huh. and uh, and I was just talking through this getting her period and I'm trying to get to this period party and write the bit for that and and talk about periods and and I said to this lady in the front row I go um, do you remember where you were when you got your first period and she goes oh yeah and I was like really and she goes kickball and immediately I go, oh, did you think you broke your pussy? And just, oh my God, I'm bleeding. Like, uh-huh. And it just killed. And then I went, why, Bert, stop. Like, tell the joke you wrote in the in the house today. Like, don't, because you're getting, because nothing's going to be a, but, as good as what you just said. P.S., tell me about the first time you got your period. That's the kind of question where so great. if you're watching a, a, a master of crowd work, tell tease that story out of a a person then you're gonna that's a more permanent to me that's like that's the kind of question that is more you can watch and go oh you can watch that in a year well you're different than your crowd work is very different than mine mine is very bro-y like it's coming from that perspective of not the enlightened crowd work no i'm not i'm not saying whatever unenlightened but yeah (laughs) no but like there's you can tell when guys do amazing crowd when guys are like real masters of crowd work they are putting 
their thumbprint on their responses. Yeah, that's fair. Totally. And, and so mine was like, was like I, mine always ended with like, I'm talking the f- like, not like the most in spontaneous, right. but like the most like you'd be in the back of the room. I promise you, you'd be like, this is funny as fuck, but of course he's going there. Like I had a uh-huh. blind guy in the front row in Hartford, Connecticut one time. I had two deaf people at my show in in Schaumburg the week before. Cool. And they had said, we're fans of your show. We hired this translator to- They were fans of your travel show. My travel show. Oh, wow, cool. And they were like, we hired a translator to translate for me. Of course, you know where I went, hacky, well, blowjob, yeah, yeah, blow yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Kills, kills. That's, yeah. that's my crowd work I'm doing, right? So then I get the, <laughs> the blind guy in the front row, and immediately, this is how stupid I am. I go, are you a fan of my, you must be a fan of my show? Like thinking, you're blind, why would you come here? And he's like, how would I watch your show? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> how it, would I watch your show? Yeah. And I said to him, I said, your wife's actually really beautiful. And he was like, I know. I said, what do you mean you know? And he was like, I can tell. I felt her face. I know she's gorgeous. And I like everything about That's her. That's really interesting. And I was like, so you can tell a face? You can feel a face and tell how attractive they are? He was like, yeah. So immediately I have him on stage in a, in a seat and I have people from the audience That's walking funny. by and him feeling their faces and going, five... And it was just, I mean, it was that's amazing. Was killing. he right? What? Was he right? To a T. To amazing. a T. The only thing that he was off on is he couldn't, because he wasn't feeling bodies, there would be overweight people and he'd say they were hotter than they were. Hey, but if you came down my road, they, they you can be an eight. You can be a 10. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fucking, but that's where like my crowd work was like, I remember this is a, per, this is a perfect example of my crowd work. Um, I did a show with Steve Trevino mm. in Miami. This is back in the day. It was a co-headlining show, but Steve went first and I had to close it. I was the only white guy on the show, all Cuban, Puerto Rican, uh-huh. Dominican, black audience. And I am bombing so fucking bad that I give up and I go, fuck it. I want the most thugged out black guy in here. Come on up on stage. I'll buy you drinks all night. Guy with gold fronts comes up, sits up stage, bring a, st- a chair up for him. I go, I want the most Cuban, fresh off the boat, s- socks with your flipper, slip slop, flip flops kind of guy. <laughs> he comes up. I go, my jokes aren't working, and I think it's a, a, a translation problem. So I'll say my joke, and then you translate it to your people. Okay, here we go. Uh, I was talking to a girl, and then I give it to the black funny. guys, and it was, oh man, I've been hollering at this bitch, and the place is going nuts. That's very. Funny. It was really great, but it was always something. Bringing people on stage, it was ne- like you know. But that's fun. That's like a it's good, fun, but good, it's never. It'll never turn into or something. But but it's never going to turn into a bit. Yeah, I I am a big defender of crowd work. Uh, I I really resent the. Uh, there's a few things I resent in comedy, uh, and one is that I really resent like the idea that crowd work is like a inferior f- form of comedy. Oh, or I agree a hundred percent. or yeah. it's weak. It's like no the the inferior crowd work is from inferior practitioners of that like if you saw patrice o'neill live oh. who did probably 40 percent crowd work there wasn't a dude in comedy that had a more like prescient and hilarious and amazing experience as a live performer than watching him riff like the best the best dude he his last it was an album yeah did you ever oh, mr that? p i haven't seen yeah it yet. He, no he goes up on stage and he's like, uh, there are these two overweight black chicks in the front row, and he goes, "Oh, oh, get them, get them chicken wings, baby!" And she's like, she like gives him a face. He goes, "Oh, you, 
are you going to give me big black bitch right now? You're going to give me big black bitch. He goes, honey, I grew up with a big black bitch. I ain't scared of big black bitch. I talk big black bitch. Uh-huh. Get her some ketchup. Like I like immediately no, he, was, he reads her and then translates her to his mom. And it is, it is like, he was a master. He of was that. so By fucking By the way, good. you know how good he was. I used to open a couple times when I was an MC at the punchline, I would open for him. And it's San Francisco. He was maybe the most sexist comedian who's ever worked in, maybe like ever. I mean, on stage anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You you could argue Cosby was a little bit more sexist. (laughs) But um, I would watch these crowds. Maybe 10% of the women would be like, fuck you, and would would walk. But the ones that would stick around, the the most... incongruous inorganic connection audience of the you know a liberal kind of woke san francisco feministy female crowd be unable to deny what was happening on stage and just like against their own will they would be Dude, laughing he i was at a dinner i'm uh, i will not say these people's names yeah uh three of the bigger women in comedy um and we were at a dinner with uh 12 people this is the night he had his stroke the night he had his stroke and I brought up that Patrice is one of my favorite comics and three of these women each gave a reason they hated Patrice. Yeah. And each cited a joke that, that he said that offended him. And one of them said he one time had the audacity to say he was, he was doing something at Montreal and he was like, all right, let's just say, there's no laws on fucking kids. I've had this conversation with Patrice. Yeah. What age would you say, all right, you can't fucking kid at that uh, age. And as she said it, the whole table laughed. And then like, she's like, it's not that funny. And everyone was like, it's a, it's it's a good premise. Funny. It's a good premise. Yeah, he had this one. Pre- I mean, by the way, I find his material. Yeah. What time do you, do you need to get I out of here? I got to go soon. Okay. But, yeah, we'll wrap uh, this up. By the way, I find his material, his ideas straight up objectionable. Like, yeah. like not cool. And yet, <laughs> I'm going to watch that special every time. Dude. You know what I mean? He was so good. Um, anyway, my point is that there are masters of crowd work that... Dude, his, his, his elephant in the room yeah. is arguably crowd work. Yes. Honey, how long do they think they're going to look the, for you? The beginning. That was always my, my problem a little bit with Patrice having seen him live was like his HBO special. It was great, but it wasn't... It didn't feel like it bottled his lightning. Right. And... Elf in the room very much was Elf like, room. you got it. I want to thank the audience coordinator for them set of titties in the front row. Yeah, so good. Thank you so much for them titties. Patrice was so much fun. The one thing I said, like, I, I think I've stolen from all comics hints of things. Uh-huh. Meaning like, the, like I found like one of the things I stole from Burr is that. And, and I mean, from you, Burr, from Bill oh, Burr. I thought you said Burt. I'm like, from, no, yo, from, you're Burt, dude. No, is that Burr, uh challenges himself every special uh-huh. to, to kind of recreate himself help reinvent himself uh-huh. he challenges himself to try something new if it's an act out or if it's a conversation with an inanimate object he always challenges himself so that's the one thing i saw him do that uh-huh. and I, went, I wanted to start doing that the one thing i took from david tell sometimes is tell the pacing of a joke and then tell your story like it's very it's very clear in my act when I was 22 I got involved with the Russian Mafia here's how it happened that's almost David Tell oh, that's interesting it's, 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 it's David Tellism you know what cops hate when you touch your faces I fought a bear one time I jumped uh-huh. out of a plane with Rachel Ray it's that's a Dave it's a David Tell into my joke and it, you wouldn't notice it but I know for a fact that that is how I started telling stories and it's and it, and it leaked into my life mm. the one thing I would say that I borrowed that I stole from Patrice Patrice had 
a a rhythmic beating of words that he said he stole from Mob Deep. Oh wow! And That's he would say so, like, uh, or NJZ. I remember him telling me he, he would get caught on phraseology. There's a phrase that Jay Z has: "Beep beep," and I'm picking him up. Let him play with the dick in the truck. Yeah. And there's a phrase. Uh, everyone, get ready. I'm about to use the N word. Uh, and uh, just so if you're offended, just know that here it is. Here's where it comes. There's a phrase he had when it was the DC sniper. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? And he goes, man, all these, all these people are like this diabolical mastermind, this mastermind. He's a, he's a diabolical genius. He's a genius. And they found out it was a nigga in a Pontiac. <laughs> and it was just the pacing of that nigga in a Pontiac. Right, right, right. And it right. just came and they bleeped it and it fucked up the joke. In Elephant in the Room? No, no, that's in his Comedy Central Presents. They I, uh, bleeped it, and it, I was like, that's the brilliance of the... the yeah, the, 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 yeah, the pop, pop, pop. It's, and he, and he, it's, it's his, he got it from hip-hop. This, that, is what, this is what he said to me when I opened for him. By the way, we were not close. I'm, I, if I'm telling the story like he was my bud, he wasn't. He was yeah. a guy that I admired from afar. But I did get the chance to open for him, and he goes, uh, he goes, Moshe Kasher every night. <laughs> Moshe Kasher? name might as well be jewish jewish nigga (laughs) and i was just like every night like so like thank you thank you for for that for that insult and also for the for the n-word for allowing me into your world it was uh one of the funniest things i've ever heard god i would have uh i would simply love him to be alive to see him and natasha hang out uh i i bet i wonder if she met him actually i'm sure oh boy what a classic duo that is. Speaking of classic duos, Natasha and I just dropped a Netflix special. It's called The Honeymoon Stand-Up Special. It's a three-part special coming your way with some of the crowd work that I was talking about on the third episode. Dude, I could talk to you forever. You want here. This is the one of the... Uh, I'm going to set up a meeting for you next time in New York with my buddy Dan Adler. He always hits me up on, a, on an interview like this where he's like, dude, that's the best interview ever because it's when I can hang out with guys that I've known for a while and it's just seamless conversation. And I just take a general meeting with him he's a really great guy he created man versus food he created birth conquer he created all these amazing shows oh we got natasha and i have a travel show so we're coming your way dan all right i'll set it up all right bro dan. congratulations thank you congratulations very much. on the baby the special on everything life is good and it's good to have other people for whom life is good as well even if we sometimes think it's not good if we don't get enough likes <laughs> Ooh, that reminds me time to post an instagram video <laughs> <laughs> it's four o'clock thanks thank you dude This episode was brought to you by The Machine. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today.